Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies. Sure, we're trying to talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. Ooh. Wow. I was like, it was like one word. What? Not one there. It was like one word. It was, it was like was Funnigan's I... Wake or something. <laughs> 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 Fuck, I, was... <laughs> I, I, I usually criticize you, but that was smooth as salt. It's like a bar galaxy, just. <laughs> I, I, I'm your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is. Chan Cole. And to right in front of me. <gasps> Calm Hearn. I said his name for some reason. What's happening? But why, why is he right in front of you? Because I've turned to the Shan side. Oh, really? You're, you're slowly becoming me. Yeah, yeah, uh, if you drink lanes, you have to sort of air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have, they didn't have cool off in the off license, so I had to buy Glenn's vodka. And Shan stole my mic stand. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Shan side of the table. Speaking so. of Glenn's vodka, now that it's uh, essentially like water to me, I went to take a drink there now, that black current and the vodka mixture, but completely forgot that there was vodka in it. So I took a massive fucking gulp. I'm still not used to it. Smash me in the back of the throat, son. I thought you were going to say you drank that glass of water and thought, oh Jesus, I have a problem. Because <laughs> you thought it was vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't fairness with it. Snuck down the Yeah, I just creeped on there. I even said the hair in the night. I went down to Hill's house for a casual one there, and I just sitting about talking shit and stuff like that. I drank a full tangle. There's no such thing as a <laughs> casual one. I drank a fucking tangle glass in your house. And the next day I woke up, I was grand. I was like, right, Shane. Maybe <laughs> dial it back a bit from the old. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> because no, a I, ten glass of vodka is becoming like four cans, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them ones you're just walking around looking for fucking, you know, overhanging pianos and all, and you're all. It's going to get me at some point today. Hey? I swear to fuck, that's what I'm thinking. Because I'm thinking to myself, physically, my body can't be keeping up with that. Like, you know what I mean? Fair enough, I might be adapting to being able to drink tan glasses and all that crack, but think, yeah, nobody can take that much your abuse. Your are going to shrivel up and fall off, too. I'd say just my insides must look like fucking dog shit, hey? I must look phenomenally unhealthy. Because even like Lita said to me, she's oh, do you drink much tan I said, no, I don't even. Hey, I was fucking pretty sober when I got back here, checked that tan glass, emptied it. <laughs> <laughs> you always do that though like you, you think oh I left most, most of the tan glass in your house is like there's a dribble left. <laughs> you can you can smell it there was vodka in that bottle at one point <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing this is definitely more than <laughs> a problem like, <laughs> and the labels that they give away but uh, <laughs> 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 no there's none of it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, danger ball time, Shan. Do you want? Why are you do, at me? Do you want to introduce it? Oh, just to say what it is. Uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 I just wonder what the fuck you're talking about there. You kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> 
Uh, Danger Ball is a bottle that we get every week of different drink. Uh, we used to do it that it was under a fiver, but we scrapped that rule because I think we've went through all the liquids in this town that are under a fiver. So now it's just a bottle of drink we get for the crack. And we used to do like a sort of small review of it, but we don't even do that anymore. We just drink it. And we just n- never mention it again uh, <laughs> on the podcast. Yep. Uh, so where is the top drawer? No. Oh, no, you have it there? I'm actually excited about this one, because I was with you when we purchased this. Yeah, so only Heron does know it is. Ooh. 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 Surprise, man. Man. Got a surprise for you. Fucking Candelabra. This week's Danger Bottle is Tequila Rose. Ooh. Strawberry Cream. Hey, but the, the it's, reason... It's a liqueur, so it's probably not going to taste too much of tequila. Yeah, but you know, do you know what the best thing is? And this is the way like, I'm excited about it. When we were in the office buying it, the very nice off-license man, the, the bottle shop man, said that uh, apparently it tastes exactly like McDonald's strawberry milkshake. So that sounds intriguing. That was the guy that said to me before when I went into the off-license and asked him for something about different or something like that. <laughs> He's all like, you know what people have been drinking recently? <laughs> He's like, vodka with pineapple in. <laughs> it's like, this is his big suggestion of song about different. That was, that was his big move. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a time I sent He's trying out. to get you the impulse buy. He's trying to get you a, a bottle of pineapple. And I, I'll, 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 extra at the checkout. You're just all, I, I, I fucking all got buy it. All right, then. Obviously not one of the world's great forward thinkers, that boy. Like, because <laughs> it's like a time I sent Harry to the shop. Harry, he's been on this podcast a couple of times. <laughs> And I says to Harry, I was all, Harry, I'm fucking dying of Drutha. You wouldn't go to the shop and get us a wee drink or something. But I was all, don't get me Coke or Fanta. You know, not the usual stuff. Get me something about different. Highland tobacco, a bottle of 7-Up. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a can of Lult at least. Yeah. Simple taste, that boy. Simple taste. 7-Up, <laughs> it's, it's what It's different. not, Mike. It's, it's, sta- it's one of the standards. It's one of the fucking standards. Oh, Sprite standard, 7-Up. Yeah, well, fair <laughs> enough. I put in there. 7-Up uh, is an Irish company, isn't it? You may as well say no, to me. 7-Up's Pepsi, isn't it? Me. Play, play George on my mind. <laughs> Seven Up is Pepsi as well, isn't it? No, Sprite's owned by Coke. I think Seven Up's just like an Irish cut. It doesn't matter anyway. No, aye, Sprite's owned by Coke and Seven Up's owned by Pepsi. Is it? I thought Seven Up was an Irish company. No, it's not. It's not. No, it's, it's, just, it's more popular in Ireland, but it's not Irish. No. Ah, fuck sick. I thought we claimed I'm pr- that. I'm pretty sure it's Pepsi, isn't it? I think you're mixing it up with Maine's uh, white lemonade. Maine's white lemonade. <laughs> I'll, ch- I'll check where Seven Up is uh, from. It's a common okay. mistake. Uh, go and do us a favour though. No. Uh, go and open <laughs> <that> <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, you must have beaten that one. No. <laughs> I'm a lazy, lazy man, Jack. It is owned by Pepsi. Told, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right, I'm going to drink this fucking thing yeah, now. I'm holding it to It's a very nice bottle, though. Lovely that bottle, is, uh, lovely. Art Deco you bottle. Could do some damage right there, could you? Kill it, man. This is like what a. Yeah, yeah. It's like a prism-shaped brick. Do you know in 1936, Seven Ups slogan was "You like it, it likes you." A strange slogan. I don't care. What do you call the re- <laughs> logo <laughs> boy? He's just be a dick yeah. No is. Is what's happening? It's just, he, it's so easy to be a dick <laughs> <laughs> It's funny to use a primal service people ever made. Wow. <laughs> Beige fry, seven up try. All oh, right, that's from a different country. Is it the same thing? It sounds like it's the same. No, thing. it's not. It's from 2008. Ridiculously bubbly, 2010. Be yourself, be refreshing, be seven up. 2011. And what do you call their logo boy? Oh, their logo boy? Oh, mine. How I hum with the fucking hair. Dodo uh, or Dido or. Is it? I don't know. Somewhere. What there? Fido? Fido? He, he was Mockers, that boy. It was on the Windows 95. 
Let's see. <laughs> the wee, uh, the wee paper clip. The wee paper clip by M- M2 Remokers. I don't even know. Oh, oh, it's like the... you're writing a letter. Hmm. It's not Fresh Up Freddy. He was the mascot in the 50s, apparently. No, it's a boy with it. Or something. Boy with had fucking like uh, hair, chips I... for hair. Actually, <laughs> 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 he had uncooked chips for hair. And anyway, Takeda Rose the... strawberry cream is quite nice. Here you go. Uh, his, name, right? his name's Fido Dido. Fido Dido. Oh, Fido Dido. He's a bit of a cool dude, don't he? He is a cool, refreshing really, dude. It's, it's, it looks like a sort of I would say Kyle Bonga. He's cold, refreshing, and bubbly. Jeez, you know that's not bad. Yeah, you can't really taste the kid. watermelon air, Sean, too. No, Melanie, Melanie. Fuck watermelon. Melanie, Melanie. Mel B. What's on new Spice Gears, bad? Jam? Jam or something? Yeah, you can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just three of them though, isn't it? What's that for like <gasps> Oh I just got why it's called Jam. Yeah, it's like an acronym their names are. Jerry Emma and what do you call her Michelle, is it? M- Mel. Mel. Uh, Mel they're B. Gonna it, specifically. They, they're gonna call it Meg because they're big fans of Sleepers in Seattle, but that was vetoed. <laughs> <laughs> why why did you laugh so much? <laughs> I just really wasn't explaining that. <laughs> <laughs> Shan just had a fucking spit take with Takeda Rose. <laughs> he said a far too casual. <laughs> like, really flew on that radar. <laughs> just fucking clattered myself on Takeda Rose. <laughs> I don't even get the taste of it. You know this is a part of a range, though? It's like, fucking... Well, there's I can te- kinda, I there's tequila rose, but then there's like all our flavors. There's like tequila mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> it's going down a treat, I know, but it. That's fucking so stupid. <laughs> What did you uh, think of it, Chan, after oh you God. swallowed it? It's mighty fine. Uh, <laughs> it's mighty uh, tasty. <laughs> he got me my back out. He got me when I was sick of that for you. It's a fuck. It tastes like I'm fucking strawberry and cream sweets. I can't even fuck on my name with them. Oh, yeah, Campinos. They, Campinos. 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 It tastes exactly like Campinos. Yeah. They were amazing. They were Campinos. fucking really good. I, I mind the very first time I tasted one of those. It was just, it changed my life. <laughs> it's like bottled Campino. Uh, it's fucking yeah. delicious. I heard they were Obama's sweets when he was... <laughs> <laughs> when he was on the Campino. <laughs> when he was Campino for president. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. This, this has gone off the rails way <laughs> dearly. <laughs> uh, what's the percentage of the killers? I have 15%, I think. So it's not too bad. Caucasian. Caucasian. Fifteen percent. That's what you're on. Oh, you fuck! You polished it already. <laughs> Papa, don't preach. Oh, <laughs> I'm one of these guys that do and don't talk. Right. So, what have we watched this week, folks? I watched uh, the Curious Case of Benjamin Buttoner yesterday. Oh. One of the ones reflect over. I says I was a nice handy Sunday one, and uh, I I remember seeing the cinema actually because uh, I like. Scott Fitzgerald like the the writer and stuff and then David Fincher obviously fucking amazing and then obviously it's a third time having Brad Pitt have done a film together yep. and uh, I think it's the kind of only third, third oh, I yes, seven, seven, seven. Seven. Yeah, seven. Seven. but uh, I think it's the only time I mean this was a sort of views that were going out at the time it's saying that uh, Fincher should do sentimental more because he's brilliant at it you know it's really it's just fucking beautifully shot and uh, if you know the story, it's about a, a baby that's 
born, uh, I think on the on the day that World War One ends, and his uh, mother dies uh, in childbirth and stuff like this here, but he he's sort of born. Um, a reason. Whereas his his body's mm. like the body of an old man, um, so he ages backwards, and there's this whole metaphor of a clock going backwards and this kind of stuff in it, and so like when he's when he's seventeen, he looks like he's about seventy, and then when he's fifty, he looks like he's you know seventeen or whatever that kind of thing and all, and it, it yeah it ages backwards, and then in the middle, I remember actually Mark Mode reviewing it and and hating all the pretty stuff in the middle when he was looking as Brad Pitt does probably yeah. better than he looks now yeah you know, as like pretty much Brad Pitt from like 7 you know what I mean they, they kind of de-aged him as Mikey would say aye everyone says well, yeah, well and uh <laughs> I know like the, the last shot you get of Brad Pitt actually being the character when he, they've made him super young it's aye. fucking mad it's, it's great looking like. yeah, it looks yeah. Yeah, it looks amazing serious cast in it too you've got Jared Leto <clears throat> Kate Blanchett uh, you've got fucking Stacks other people. <laughs> 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 no, what do you call Wait. her? She was in Legends of the Fall. We brought Pat. She's the one. Tilda Swanton's on there. Tilda Swanton's on there. Jared Harris as well. I love his character. Who, who did the, I say? He's the boat captain. Like some Jared guy from Legends of the Fall. No, who did I say? Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Jared was not on it. Jared Harris is on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking who fucks Jared Leto. Yeah, who fucks Jared Leto? Was he dressed up or something? He's class. Uh, the boat captain. Yeah. And uh, what do you call her? I fucking forget her name, but she's the one that. Marries the first brother in Legends of the Fall, one that dies in the war, and then she ends up falling in love with Brad Pitt's character, Tristan, and then when he fucks off, then she ends up going with Aiden Quinn then, so she goes with all three brothers. Oh, spoilers for Legends of the Fall, that was the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's her, her story arc in the entire film, it's a one, so nobody cares. You see Brad Pitt fucking knifing boys, that's what you're after, like, fighting bears, taking a few bears down, you know. Anyway. Curious case mention button. I it's <laughs> last night I was watching it, it was like fuck me. There's a lot of death in this film, like. Mm. I mean I liked it because I just thought it was sort of it's nice and it's sad, but it's bittersweet and you know it has mm. lots about it and it's it's sort of oh, it's quite quite contemplative at times about death and this kind of thing. I remember Brad Pitt talking about it at the time and he was saying, you know, like how much of your life do you give when you, when you love somebody? It's sort of the trade off of, you know, you give uh, you know you give so much of your life just to be one person and this kind of thing and all and uh, it's uh, the, the film it limits their time even more I think they only had probably 10-15 years together properly in the middle but uh, it's just uh, no, I really like it because I mean F. Scott Fitzgerald's always about the sort of big empirical ideas um, of, of time and what it does to people and and what society says, you know, especially Gatsby and all, is very much about that. But um, a lot of the decisions made in the film by the characters are because society aren't happy, so um, our society wouldn't accept them. And so what happens is these two people, they sort of, they just care about their own path through life. Do you know what I mean? And like it's 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 told these through various shots as well. When they're there's a shot where they're tearing across. And a, and a motorbike and it's just like it's pure like thunder and lightning like just we're cutting our own path through this life kind of thing and then there's there's a shot like and, and the, when the one's like blowing or they're outside in like Hawaii or something and then the one starts to blow and sort of rain and this kind of thing and everybody leaves but them too you know and it's just all these shots kind of symbolise that and uh, 
there's a beautiful story with his father when he eventually meets his father and this kind of thing and uh it's it's quite sad it's quite it's, it's quite a lonely film as well mm. but there's there's something nice about the loneliness in it as well it's it's told very uh oh, it's just told very delicately the whole film like but uh no i would recommend it have you ever, any of you ever seen it yeah yeah it's a fucking superb film i think it's nice as well because a lot of people i remember put off when they first seen it because it was kind of anti-fincher because obviously he's always mm. really mm. cynical and in his, his sort of worldview and and even just visually, it doesn't look like a Fincher because there's just like nice browns and sort of classic cinematography in there. But it's it's beautiful. And it's just so it's tragic too because even whereas he's watching people die that he's loved and stuff like that, mm. his life's going the complete opposite direction. There's always that nice line that I'm probably paraphrasing, but it's between him and Kate Blanchett. And she says, this is the only time we will ever be the same. Mm. You know what I mean? Because they, yeah, they only have like 10 years together. We're uh, the same age or around the same age. They kind of meet a little. Uh, and that's it. Aye, it's beautiful. And it's just... There's so many nice wee subplots there too where you just kind of follow him along like the thing with Tilda Swanton when they're living in the hotel and Aye. just a great piss. I mean, like it's it's one of those films that's three hours long but it, it feels like it's only about fucking an hour and a half. It just breezes through. <laughs> There's a brilliant scene where he first gets blocked but he, but he's like, he, he looks like he's about fucking 70 but he's like 15. That's right, yeah. And he comes home fucking hammered and then Maz like, where the hell have you been? He's all, uh, Nothing. I <laughs> 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 just fucking hang on myself laughing. <laughs> but you're <clears throat> you're on about like the whole bittersweet thing of it and they, they I work with and uh the thing of them meeting in the middle and all, but then like he fucks off a bit after air because like she's getting older and he's getting younger. But you know he's just out there banging. <laughs> you know, he's fucking having the life of it. Say, I think it was, it was a nice way to cover up the fact that like, oh, all of a sudden I'm fucking unbelievable looking. And I'm Brad Pitt. I think I'll just fuck off because I'm sure you're even, too good for me. That's what it's like. I'm sure even says this is a, a definite uh, uh, admit that I enjoyed the company of a woman or two. Uh, maybe three. <laughs> maybe fucking 15. <laughs> but I think... Uh, that's I think that's what's the interesting point because they kind of agree to sort of have this weird life with each other and just sort of well not weird it's 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 class because they've decided to do it with each other but it's him it's him that sort of puts the foot down and, and says no she doesn't want them to mm. I mean she goes along with it you know up until that point and then he puts the foot down and he just leaves like you know and it's interesting that it's him that instigates that. The balance rather, of, rather than her, she's prepared to yeah. go with the, the sort of the strangeness of it. They balance it really nicely too, because I think it would have been a very and it is a very difficult sell at the very start where he looks like a fucking eight year old man, but when he first meets <laughs> Kate Blanchett, she's like eight, and even visually that looks weird. But you have to kind of remember that mentally they're the same age. Uh, it's just that Brad Pitt looks that age, but I think they they do kind of have a thing with it, isn't that where? Heard that he, excuse before. Hey, it's not that he kind of sneaks into her bedroom when they're okay. b- both supposed to be eight, and like her ma or aunt or something like that freaks out because she assumes that he is like a dirty old man, but uh, really he's just got this condition. Uh, I don't want to see. I uh, don't want to see you with her anymore. And I was uh, shit but then, I mean, even that sort of adds to the the tragedy and the sadness because he, he is just totally misunderstood because he's got this. I want to say ridiculous. Obviously, it's not, but this rare condition where he's been born old you know what I mean and he's against time I like that you're describing it as a condition, as a condition I know like, as opposed like to other people as, a, get as opposed to magic realism <laughs> yeah. like, I've never met a boy who was born like, they, like, <laughs> so, uh, as opposed to a complete work of fiction like. <laughs> 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 my dad has that my dad has that and his red foot 
a Benjamin <laughs> Button disease. Uh, his foot was fucking. It's just getting smaller. <laughs> getting smaller and and softer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's down there size three at this point. Like. <laughs> uh, uh, everything's he lost his leg. Is now it's just foot. <laughs> no, he's just got that Benjamin Button thing. He's fucked. Oh, all right, okay. BBC. <laughs> Benjamin Button condition. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this week I watched The Legend of Tarzan. Ooh, sorry. I thought you were going to give me a Tarzan. Nah, you think I was going to do a Nah, if I'm no good at girl impressions, go ahead. He's a man. (laughs) Not a performer monkey. Go. (laughs) Yeah, it just came out there. It's Alexander Skarsgård plays Tarzan. Who directed it again? David Yates of oh, Harry Potter. Right. I mean, fame. I know. What else David Yates do? He's pretty. No, he's just done the was the last four Harry Potter films. Last four, yeah. Did he last four? No, that. he directed another one. Me and Watson as well. I'll check what else that Mofu's done. Yeah. Gonna head there, uh, Mike. He did another one. Uh, Continue on, sure, and I'll, I'll check. He's doing Fantastic Beats, Beasts and Marty uh, Feynman as well. Doing that as well. Uh, but. Uh, so he got his fucking feet on the rug, I know, the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Uh, no body. <coughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's David Yates directing, and Margot Robbie <laughs> plays Jane. Wow. <laughs> this is so good, because sorry to interrupt, but that's going for his filmography, like suggested filmography, and it's David Yates, The Legend of Tarzan, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Fantastic Beasts, and where they find them? Sex traffic. <laughs> 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 nice man. <laughs> but he was a purr struggling director. Yeah. Yeah, fair play. Him, like the troubled second film. Just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one he couldn't get off the ground. <clears throat> but um, he's fuck. He's directed twenty three things. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Christoph Waltz is in there as well as the villain. Hmm. It's not a great film. As there's some nice action stuff in it. There's. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it's not a great film as great films go. <laughs> as great I films that was go, it's, there. Not, it's not a great film. <laughs> no, there's some nice nice action stuff in it. There's there's a cool bit where there's like a stampede, uh, and it goes through like this village, and so there's just like crashing through like wee huts and like mm. well buildings and stuff like that. Do they want herds? <laughs> no, you might go in there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> Uh yeah, so that that was pre- that was pretty cool, and there's some just Tarzan doing his Tarzan thing, swinging about with a bunch of grills and stuff. It's, you know, it looks it looks nice like visually. It's it's a it's a very pretty film. You know, landscapes of the jungle and all. It's nice, but ultimately, there's there's more problems with it than good things. Like <clears throat> Samuel Jackson's in it, and he is annoying as fuck. <laughs> he's, he's is because there's a t- couple of times in the film he's he's basically like Tarzan's body in it like he follows Tarzan everywhere in it and but there's a couple of times where you think oh Tarzan's going to fuck off now and Samuel Jackson's going to stay there but no he's all every time he's all oh sure I'll come with you there's <laughs> like the, Samuel Jackson because I know nothing about this film is he like doing motion capture is he like live action on it no it's just him it's hey, just him he's, right, okay. not, isn't he? hey, yeah. he's George Washington something he's not George Washington <laughs> that's his name isn't it? tell, but tell t- us this because it just, it's just a question I've got is Samuel Jackson just doing the whole Samuel Jackson thing now that he just seems to be phoning on everyone because even in fucking The Hitful Eight 
I thought it wasn't. It's not even like he's trying to act anymore. He's just giving people what he thinks that they want. Just, just Sam. Jackson. Just that sass talking and all that crap. I better when he actually, <clears throat> you know, tried to act. That's what that's what I was just about to say because this film's set in like, I think it says like eighteen eighty or something. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but it's set in the past. Let's say, but <clears throat> Samuel Jackson is being Sam Jackson from two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the very first scene you see of him, and he starts talking, and they're they're trying because. The premise of the film is that Tar- Tarzan meeting Jane in the jungle and her kind of teaching him English and like kind of civilizing him and all that's all already happened. So this picks up from Tarzan is now Lord Claywell or something or I don't know what kind of man his name. But they're living in London. Him and Jane are living in London and he's civilized. He wears clothes. He has a, a title and whatnot. So, but they're trying to convince him to visit the jungle because there's a whole thing where Belgium is laying claim to the Congo or something to yeah. get the diamonds. Yeah, yeah. And so there's all that going on. And it start that because the film starts with that and it's really boring because it just tells you in text, like, oh, this happened, Belgium did this, blah, blah. And you're just kind of bored. You're like, I'm not here for a fucking history lesson. <laughs> I see fucking monkeys swung up with. But I so they're trying to convince him to go to go and visit the Congo, and then Samuel Jackson gets up and he's all, "We all know what's going on here." It's like you're Tarzan, you're Tarzan. It's like why are you doing this? You know what I mean? It's supposed to be the 1800s and he's going on like an air night. It's just as he, he can't. It's, 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 it's playing re- like an Uncle Tom or no? No, Sa- Samuel Jackson is playing like a re- like an American representative. The whatever's going on I'm, I'm not even 100% sure what's really going on but Samuel Jackson convinces Tarzan to go do the Congo because he thinks that there's slavery happening that the Belgians are coming in and taking slaves and that's how they can build a red road and all this here kind of crap the Belgians are coming so <clears throat> so yeah that's the basic premise of it <clears throat> but I don't know there's there's just there's a bit too much going on and not and but you don't actually really care about any of it. I mean, because Margot Robbie plays Jane, and she's a, I think she's really good on it. She she has, just has a nice warmth, and there's just a kind of she just yeah. kind of radiates she's this niceness. Yeah. Uh, she's got a small filmography, but I mean, she's it looks like she's going to be one of the biggest stars about. It's weird as well because before she done Wolf of Wall Street and uh, About Time, she'd only like done one hour project. She'd not. She'd never been on film before. Mm-hmm. I think she just came from like stage. I mean, like she doesn't even no, do no. TV. Neighbors. Was she on neighbors? neighbors she was in neighbors. Ah, it's because I mean, she's she's actually quite. You would say she's green experience wise when it comes to that. But is she good in it then? She yeah, she's really nice in it. Um, yeah, like when they go, but when they go back to like the African village, they used to love them. All like all everybody comes out and hugs her, and she's really happy to see everybody. It's just a nice wee moment that happens. There's also this kid well he's, he's probably about supposed to be like 16 or 17 in the film but it, it it's one of the tribes people but like she's just seen it like they've been away for years so she's just seeing him again but he just has this big grin on his face and for the whole film he just has a big smile on his face and it's like the nicest smile you've ever seen <laughs> but there's even a bit because christoph waltz is he he plays the villain he's basically working for the belgians yeah. and he he's trying to capture tarzan they give him to this tribe that's going to give him diamonds then. So yeah, he he's a bit of a content. He's just a bit shit on it, to be honest with you. But he, he takes Jane as prisoner, so Tarzan comes after. But, <laughs> Patch up the Tarzan after you, hey? 
But he he, he takes the some of the. Not fair. Stay in the jungle, big man. Fucking shadest of Isaac. Fucking Spider Man. In all three Spider Mans, that's what happens. Yeah. Someone gets killed. What the fuck? <laughs> But they they kidnap some of the tribes people as well, and that kid is there. And Christoph also is having a conversation with Margot Robbie, and he, like she she says something, and they just they like fuck him off. But she's smiling, and he says, "There's no one else smiling on the ship." And then it cuts to the kid, and he's smiling. <laughs> it's like he's just smiling his way through this entire film. As well, actually, when I when I seen the trailer last week, because I'm not going to lie, the whole the whole film just kind of caught me by surprise. It flew under my radar. I didn't even know they were doing a Tarzan probably because I don't give a fuck about Tarzan, but. In the trailer, they done something that I've never seen them do. You see her, kind of, she's getting held down by like two of fucking, or held back by like two of Crystal Waltz's fucking mooks. And then you see her kind of lean back, and she's definitely going to greenhorn in this fist, like, but it just cuts. Does she, oh, yeah, yeah. she greenhorn in this fist? Yeah, she spits in his no back. It's just something they don't usually use. They don't, I'm like, in like maybe 15s and stuff. A, a woman like a, spitting? A woman spitting. How uncouth. It's pretty hot, though. Yeah, do you think it? Do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, what about a lead mix pencil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she she's good on it. Alexander Skarsgård, like he he looks the part, like he looks like he'd be a good Tarzan. He's not really asked to do much kind of acting wise. Really, <clears throat> my question: What do you think of Alexander Skarsgård as an actor? You see, I I liked him in True Blood, and I was thinking about this after seeing the film that I liked him in True Blood, but. Probably in True Blood because he's playing an emotionless, vamp- emotionless vampire. That he probably is not. He's not acting too hard in that either. Because yeah, really. I, I know that a lot of people give him. It's the sort of criticism that Channing Tatum got at the start. You know, he's just a male model who's not acting. But uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Alexander Skarsgård much. I've never watched True Blood. I probably never will. But like, see from stuff like Generation Kill. That's only like a wee money series. What's that? Mm. Like eight episodes. But he's brilliant in that. He's really, really good in that. And anything else I've seen him in, he's been. I've never thought, fuck, he's really bad. It no, seems like he's got a bit of talent there. Like. No, I do like him. Like, I've I seen a film with him as well. A Diary of a Teenage Girl or something mm. it's called. He, That's just been added to Netflix. He's fucking really good in that. Yeah. He plays a creepy fucker. Yeah, he's a too. creepy bastard. Mm. But no, he is good in that. And no, I, I do like him as an actor, but just in this here, one, I don't think much is asked of him, but even... Because the whole thing is, like, he's civilized, but then he's returning to the jungle, and then he... He kind of needs to go back to his Tarzan ways to save Jane all here, and you should you should see you should be able to see the kind of civilization kind of falling off him. But he he just takes his clothes off like he doesn't really change. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's there's one bit where they need to reintegrate to the group of gorillas that he grew up with, but because he left, he's like a traitor in their book now. So. He needs to fight the main gorilla to kind of gain the respect again. Same for, I seen this. That trailer too looked absolutely fucking ridiculous. I know, I, know he, I know he's Tarzan and he's been brought up and trained by gorillas, but there is no way that man <laughs> can ever compete with a gorilla. Like, I mean, there's like, yeah, there's gorilla, no way. Uh, one punch. <laughs> gorilla, uh, you know what? If I'd seen on Fools where a gorilla just baiting a line at him, I might watch it. Me and Harold, uh, that's, I think it's that's, like a, that's pretty much the way it goes. <laughs> like, honestly, I was, yeah, I watch I was it, about it. to see like I think it's like one of the last shots that I seen in the trailer and you see like the fucking head gorilla and Tarzan running at each other doing the superhero run towards yeah. each other and you see both of them jump up in there but even though it cuts straight away because obviously they don't want to spoil who gets the upper hand it looks I think they leave it too long before they cut because it looks like their gorilla just wipes out Tarzan <laughs> straight away and just nails on the ground like oh yeah, that's right you see it in the trailer because <laughs> yeah, you see you only see a wee tiny bit of Samuel Jackson in the trailer like 
Like you just he's, see him, yeah. he's in the whole fucking film. He's supposed to be trying to be the comic relief, but he's just fucking annoying. You said as well, uh, you didn't really delve as much on it because you, uh, you messaged me the other night, but why did you not like Christoph Waltz? Because usually he's really good. You said was something oh. like you don't think he was supported by, like, usually he's got good writing, but the writing's not that good. Well, just to finish up on Skarsgardy first, just <coughs> that scene I was talking about where he's fighting the gorilla. Bef- before he actually fights him, like, he's talking to Samuel Jackson and saying, like, Whatever happens, like don't do anything, don't shoot or anything, because Samuel Jackson's pointing a gun at them. So he's taking off his shirt and all, and he's trying to like pump himself up. And there's like close up of his face, and he starts kind of, he he starts just like breathing heavily and just kind of going <laughs> like trying to like pump himself up. But that should be way madder. Like he should be fucking mm. be like a gorilla and start like fucking Aye. pumping his chest and like just level, running about and just going mad. But they don't do that. I know that's what they should do. Like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it just it was it wasn't it wasn't kind of visceral enough. You, you couldn't feel like he, he's an animal. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't seem like instinctual. Or Who, something who'd like want to fight between Wolverine and Tarzan? Wolverine. Yeah, he'd be a fucking <laughs> him, wouldn't he? Yeah, let's fucking even from my trailer, I know Wolverine and fucking have him. Like, <laughs> you know I wouldn't even be. You wouldn't even libel as a scrap. You know what I mean? It would just be an absolute beatdown. But Kristoff uh, Waltz, yeah, he's just not very good on it. He's it feels like he's just doing a bad impression of himself. And as I said to Shad the other night, like, it might be because he doesn't have Quentin Tarantino's very good dialogue they act with. Truly. And it's it's just kind of basic. Like, I heard one reviewer say, actually, he's a carbon copy of the villain from Raiders. Bullock, is it? I can't really remember. I don't know if I... Like, he's wearing the exact same clothes and they him and Margot Robbie have a conversation on... The ship that apparently is the exact same conversation that happens in Raiders and stuff. So he's, it just it it feels very lazy. It doesn't feel like he's really trying. You know the geek thing about like you know ah Samuel Jackson. Like I don't know if he does or not. But Samuel Jackson uh, shoots a snake and Tarzan. That's obviously because a snake's not playing. playing, I'm always wondering if you just go and why. Uh, you know who gives a fuck uh, like, you know yeah. I mean? okay. it's the same thing oh he's wearing the same clothes as your man it's obviously a reference I'm uh, it's like oh <laughs> shit it, it, people think it's a reference it's fucking lazy as uh, son it's fucking Samuel shit. Jackson shot a snake there it's a tenuous reference they have fucking awful fun they don't make any money who gives a fuck like yeah make <laughs> <laughs> uh, make make they say round up the point there yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't even give a fuck about the point. That's how much I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what else was we talking about? I know just Christoph Waltz. He's he's just not very good on it. It doesn't feel like he's really trying to do anything. Somebody did do an article recently on. Uh, Is he trying to be Christopher Lee? Pretty much, isn't he? Christopher Lee. He's playing with all, all the big baddies. See, be. I think people think that he's a good villain actor, but that's just from Quentin Tarantino. I think this was kind of getting on the Cinema Blend. I think it was Cinema Blend on an article recently about Christoph Waltz and. Well, he's, he's Blofeld, like. Yeah. Is he any good in that? He is good, but the film's perish. Mm. Uh. In that Cinema Blend article, he basically said that Christoph Waltz is kind of. Although I did watch all of it already again. <laughs> Why do you keep watching it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. No. Continue cinema blend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. Actually, it's, it was a fucking it was a nonsense post. Someone just raping covered in oil. No, you were saying about Christoph Waltz. Oh no, it was just it was someone that's uh, 
it obviously exploded on the scene there the past two years and stuff I guess or past couple of years where Tarantino won two Oscars from working with Tarantino so he's quite lauded and he's you know a lot of people are sort of trying to get him on their films and stuff like that but then if you actually look at his career outside those two Tarantino films it's actually been pretty bad like he was in Big Eyes and shit. Nah, but I don't, I don't like that that much. That yeah. was supposed to be a shit, wasn't it? It was a shit, though. And then... Oh, my God. He was in Green, Green, Hornet, Green Hornet. And that was a fucking... He was pretty bad in that. Is Green Hornet a serious adaptation or is it take a fucking hand sort of? I've seen this kind of a technical hand. But it's kind of... it's comic anyway? It's kind of take the hand, but it, I think it falls into that thing of... You know, way like the whole episode, like Seth Rogen kind of crew, that there's a lot of improvisation. But when it's done well, it works really well, like For Your Virgin or Knocked Up and stuff. But then sometimes you feel like everything is improvised and it's just not that funny. Yeah. Mm. And that's the way the Green Hornet felt to me. But yeah, I don't know how we got on that. <laughs> yeah, Knockers Off Walls. Oh, yeah. What else is he in? He was in that Roman Polanski film, Carnage. Oh, actually, you know what? Yeah, it's pretty good in that. Yeah, it's pretty good in that. Water for Elephants, shite. He's alright in Actually, I didn't mind that. Uh... It was an easy watch. It was an easy watch. So. But, but I, um, I think just when he has a strong script to go with, I think he can be great, but just yeah, maybe he I, can't I, bring a lot. Sure, you can say it about most actors, but then at the same yeah. time, there is really good actors who even when they're handed really shitty material can still sort of elevate it. You know what I mean? Yeah, someone else. The way I see it is like, you know, especially foreign actors, I kind of think that they make all their, their good films in their own country. And the same way American actors would do an ad on another country, they go to America, they make their shite, but very popular films very lucrative does Aye. Christoph Waltz do a lot of German films though? he does he does on these now sure, I mean, yeah. that's, that's pretty much what his career was up until uh, Tarantino spied him and put him in Glorious Bastards because until then I think he was in like some German medical drama where he played a doctor for years you know oh, really? even, even like German TV and stuff was like. an evil German <laughs> I don't know actually I... is he is he a German George Clooney <laughs> <laughs> I guess doing George Clooney at the service yeah, but it's, it's nice about Christoph Waltz. <laughs> uh, apparently somebody's been trying to contact me about my PPA claim. Last thing about Tarzan is, obviously, there's a lot of animals in it. And after seeing... The, is it a CGA Christoph Waltz and all animals are real again? Like, yeah, <laughs> like the Jungle Book. No, but after seeing the most recent Jungle Book and, like, the Planet of the Apes films and stuff, the, the more recent ones, not the original ones, the, the animals in that are done so well and are so realistic that these ones just... they they're just not up to par like and uh, they look shit. shit and it's just it's 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 sad for the film but they just need to do better because they're being outdone yeah. and when you're trying to do that kind of thing you kind of need to keep up with what is recent yeah sort of sad as well because there's such like a proliferation now of sort of maybe stop motion or you know, just really really good cgi you could have an amazing motion script. capture not motion stop motion, capture. <laughs> I, always stop stop motion. I always say stop motion sorry motion capture but um you could have like a really good idea and a really good script, which is far better than the film that's getting like a 300, 400 million pound budget. But it's kind of sad they see it a lot of times and visually it just comes down to money, like, you know what I mean? Mm. Like maybe someone like Tarzan maybe has a stronger message or has a better narrative than say someone like Transformers, but it's just, it doesn't have the final, the resources there to be able to kind of show that. I like, but when you're doing like a CGI heavy thing, you do need to invest the money because it does show. Yeah, back to And it just cheapens the film. Yeah. Also, there's an important message in Tarzan. Slavery is bad. So just well, spread, spread that. I w- wonder how long they had to think that one. Like, <laughs> so what did you watch? Anyway? Exorcism by Emily Rose. Fish? Uh, it's weird. I, I don't fucking realize that film's 11 years old already. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I remember coming out and like people were yeah. all like, oh. We were at school when it came out. Yeah, ex- exactly. We were at school mm-hmm. and I remember people saying, because, you know, obviously I was growing up and always hearing like all the extra exorcists, the you know, scariest film ever and blah, blah, blah. And even at the end, I didn't even think, I probably had seen the exorcists by then, but a lot of people are saying, oh, it's like a sequel to the exorcist, even though it's not. And, oh, it's really scary and their head spun around, which it doesn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's just like, it's like people, as soon as they seen the word exorcist, they thought, oh, this must be, you know, like a sort of spiritual successor or whatever. But, uh, it's fucking completely different to what I, I see to be honest the only reason I watched it and it was my first time the other night uh, was because I've run out of stuff that I want to watch on Netflix and it's one of those films that's really buried in Netflix you know it's not yeah, one of those ones I that's ever suggested I don't even know it was on there because I had to go on the I think you get a lot of that on Netflix now. I, I really don't like we've discussed this at length but I, I don't like that I mean because fair enough at times it's great because you can find a wee hidden gem in there it scares, scares the same aye that you didn't realise was on there but it did the most boring thing that anybody can do if you want to find films or night where I went to all on Sky <laughs> and went through every single film Jesus Christ and then just had a wee add the watch list and you want to see some of the belters I found hey yeah. actually I'm, I'm thinking too is, is that even possible on Netflix you can't go to all you, it has to be categories in some way doesn't it yeah yeah I you try go I... A <laughs> and oh, I go B all those <laughs> that's, that's fucking that's exactly how I found well it's uh, alphabetical in Sky so that's how I know The Exorcism Emily Rose I just I look through all like the sort of you know things you might like or because you watch such and such you might like and I just typed under the search option horror because I'm in the mood for a horror film and all the other ones were shit like I'm really just go to the horror category no, you see, sometimes it doesn't pass. I just went to search. Yeah. Uh, but I really wasn't in the mood to watch Leprechaun 3. So I thought... Oh, that that's the best That's the best one. <laughs> but I thought, I'll give it a go. And you know what? It's, it's something completely different. Se- is that the sequel to Sniper 2? <laughs> Tom Berenger? Tom Berenger is a Leprechaun. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's strange because I was expecting your sort it's of topical... It's Marshall's the start, just... It's just up the level. Have a listen to Day Festival or something. They do like a barn where they go back to the St. Paddy's Day in the fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> Has no salt like rifle. It, it finishes a whole case in that Paddy's Day and then goes after Campbell again. I was expecting it to be just your sort of standard supernatural horror. You know, just one of those ones fucking by the numbers. But what I found really interesting is uh, <laughs> I, we done a topic fucking... We had a topic a couple of weeks ago about genres that are mashed together in certain films that you don't usually see or maybe some genres that you would like to see mashed together. This is the first time in my life that I've ever seen a horror film, which is predominantly a courtroom drama. I was about to say that. It's courtroom drama. It's a courtroom drama, but then they have flat... It's, re- it's really interesting. This actually kind of hooked me straight away because... I didn't really want to watch it. I was just I needed song to watch because it was bored fucking stuff. Mm-hmm. So I put this on, but then as soon as I realised <laughs> that, as soon as I realised that they were doing this sort of different melding of genres, where it is a courtroom thing, but it's only the flashbacks that are horror. I thought it was pretty cool, and they actually do it really well because see, even if you didn't have the horror flashbacks, the actual courtroom stuff because it's such a bizarre case, which actually did happen. It's based on true events about this whole uh, Emily Rose case. It's really interesting, really wild. The Laura Lunny and Tom Wilkinson. Are, uh, Laura Linney and Tom Wilkinson I, I think are two of the most underrated actors I about. didn't even yeah, know that, I really that like was the cast of it like Aye, so it's, Laura Linney is the uh, lawyer who's defending this priest uh, who's played by Tom Wilkinson and basically she's defending because he is being uh, accused uh, and apparently I haven't read on the actual case but apparently this is what happened uh, he's being accused of gross negligence which led to this girl Emily Rose's death and they're basically saying that uh, obviously they don't think that she was you know, possessed by spirits or demons or nothing like that because that's outside the realms of possibility. 
she or the, the, the case against them is basically that he was a religious fanatic and he thought this was the case and instead of getting her proper medical treatment he kept her away from medical treatment and tried to exercise her but then her condition worsened without that medical treatment and she died so he's being held accountable for it and it's, it's, it's really well scripted uh, in, in that way my only complaints about it are that the flashbacks to the exorcism stuff uh they're, they're well shot and they kind of hit their marks and stuff but they're just not scary you know it's just stuff that you've seen fucking thousands of times before it's just so by the book uh, i think it could have been it because i think just especially being uh from a catholic but i just think there's something about exorcism and especially when you relate it back to the exorcist that's just inherently fucking weird yeah. that's just inherently scary and i think that there's just a blank canvas there of so mm. many possibilities they, they kind of frighten you Especially like how the first exercise would have frightened you maybe when you first seen it. Mm. Uh, the other thing too, it's just a bit too long. I think the court case just goes on a bit too long. And at the start, they have a nice balance of courtroom scenes and these flashbacks, the like kind of more horror uh, set scenes. But then towards the end, it's just a lot of courtroom stuff. And then, like I said, the horror stuff's not as interesting anymore and it loses that balance and it just gets a bit mm. dull. You know what I mean? So, so um, board stuff is definitely... When you're that bored, you get a hardener. <laughs> anyway. that's, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I, uh, just offer fuck. <clears throat> I was thinking the other day. Sorry. <laughs> why do you, you get an erection on the bus? Have you been on the bus for too long? I, I get this all the time. Even sat there because you're bored stuff. Probably bored stuff. I, mm. I was reading that book you gave me. I, was, I wasn't bored. I don't get it. You just realize this is just you. Not everybody's getting hardeners know. on buses. I don't know. Hardeners. Well, like Conley apparently gets erections on, on or about buses. <laughs> about, about buses? buses? <laughs> <laughs> just thanks to the bus. He was saying, he says, if you ever get one, he just goes, don't worry about it. He says, that thing I was a mind of its own. You can get erection <laughs> over a double-decker bus and people think you're mad, but he says, it just happens. Nothing <laughs> to do, but it's an involuntary reaction. But, uh, the film, I, it's, it's, I'd say it's, it's, it's a, it's a three out of five. Like, I just think it's, re- it's, it's really interesting. Because yeah. it's two genres you would never see matched together. Really good cast, really well performed. Dave, about, I, I don't know the actor's name who plays the sort of, uh, what do you call it, the, the accusing lawyer? The accusing prosecutor. lawyer. The prosecutor, <laughs> that's the one, because I know there's defence and then there's the prosecution. But the, the, uh, accusing. the accusing lawyer. <laughs> but uh, the prosecution, he's fucking really good. I've never seen him in anything else, but he's fucking brilliant. Uh, but... Definitely, I would, I would give it a go. I know you're a big delicate fly, you don't like horror films, but I think you would get through this one because it's not that scary. Not Mike. that scary. Not that scary, man. I'm also terrified of courtrooms. <laughs> 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 the law scares me. <laughs> no, I like Laura Lenny. She's, she's uh, good. She's amazing. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that done. See you next week. Topic. I saw. Did you like Diary of a Teenage Girl? <laughs> Is that the topic? That's the topic. <laughs> I don't. I also think that gets a bit dull after a while because it's basically just the same thing happened over and over again. I when she starts having a lesbian relationship, you're just kind of like man. I really don't like that too because that they literally chuck out in there for about two minutes and then. The character who they introduce as being her lesbian lover disappears again, and she has no relevance to the plot whatsoever. It's just—is this it's, actually the topic? It's, it's just, just uh, to be shocking. No, it's it, a fuck no. No, we're just talking. We're just talking. Just fucking. About we're just two guys talking, talking man. <laughs> All right, that's great. I haven't seen it.
No, but yeah, I think they just see that just they show. Oh, this is her going mad when she ran away I from her family. Kind of like, I know oh, it is. She's a lesbian now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's like fuck off. He cares. It's it's try it's to like try and show like how like like there's no barriers to what she's doing or anything, but it's just lazy. And... I think it, that's the perfect word, lazy. It's almost like oh my god, she's so sexually expressive because she's. Kiss the girl like it's like. I thought I thought it was I thought it was really well observed up until that though. Like her actually having a relationship with Alexander Skarsgård, and it felt like that's how a teenager would deal with that kind of thing because you're you're just discovering sex and she just like there's there's lines on there where she's just I just need to fuck something. Like like, all she's thinking about doesn't have that thing that I hate either. Just this like this. Even though she's she's of the age that she might be like sort of a wee bit more emotionally mature, but she doesn't go on like she's thirty. You know what I mean? She doesn't um, go on like she's got, you know, a, a, a wealthy experience behind her. She, like you say, she does actually act and react like she has like a sex. Is she like sixteen or something? I think she's a sixteen or sixteen year old. She's a good, she's a good actress. Too. She's in a, a Royal Night too. I can't remember her name, but she's very, very good. Why did Kristen Wiig's very, very good in that too? Yeah, very, very tragic character in it also. Mm. Not playing your straight comedian. Why did you, Why did you think of the bit where they pretend to be prostitutes? <laughs> I thought that was a bit fucking that, cheap. That that's just sticks out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it works to 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 the point where they actually say, "Oh, let's pretend to be prostitutes." But the fact they actually go through it, then that's when it gets too far. Yeah, I think it's it's a bit grim because at the start you think it's a joke, like you said, uh, and then we'll actually. But I do like the fact that you notice that mood whiplash in because even they're they're disgusted themselves and kind of because it happens so quick as well and then mm-hmm. they're lying about it's like yeah we probably should have done that <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny but it's just it just comes out of the word just been out of Netflix too it's and it's a, wee, it's a wee 90 million isn't it no it's around about there right? it's up there might be a hundo might be a ton <laughs> <laughs> might be a small hundo I still consider hundos 90 million like Take five minutes away for credits. Like Fuck five you and your subtracting <laughs> credits. People work for those credits, Jen. I know they do you need to pay I, them respect. I, I, nobody watch them. I'm sorry, guy. You see, I, I, I think it's a special skill when a film can make you watch the credits. Like I've make never, I've, believe me, Mickey, <laughs> out of all the films that I love dearly and will happily watch every day, you know, I've never watched a film and I enjoyed that much. I thought, I like that so much. No. I want to know everybody's name he worked on. No, I, but no, but I mean, like, if they have, like, some cool music over the credits or if they have, like, cool, like, drawings or pictures or they do something over the credits that kind of keeps that you engaged. doesn't keep my interest. It's like, right, that's, that was sweet. It's like, at the end of Superbad, they have all the dick pics. I see that. That's good, it, but it's not, I saw it in Seth Room. Or even at the, end, <laughs> at the end of uh, Series of Unfortunate Events. That's pretty cool because it's got that sort of weird animation over it where all the characters are like hanging off what are we talking what's about what's the look a series of unfortunate events oh shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was, it was because you didn't say lemony snicket I didn't have a clue what you were talking about <laughs> which is really fucking stupid <laughs> but yeah you know I, I, I think it's I think it's cool because uh, I don't like snicket <laughs> I love it but like at the end of Wally as well it has the wee animation of like showing them what happens after the film, like they start growing stuff and all, and has nice music yeah. and whatnot. Almost like a sort of a subtle stinger. Mm. Heron, we're talk we're talking about films that make you watch the credits, like they do some interest and with the credits that kind of keeps you engaged. Do you have anything? Is this a topic? It's an impromptu topic. Uh, I love this nuggets. Aye, that's it. Just at the end, uh, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's just because the the animation over those credits 
Not really a stinger, like, but it's just Sandy kind of visually enticing. I think it's that like, cool looking that you'll have to sit and watch it. The third Harry Potter, where they use the Marauder's Map at the end, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, though, <laughs> stingers, especially with, like, Marvel doing them, or just superhero films in general, doing them so much, I think it's become a bit cheap now. I think even that studios are starting to cop out a bit, because now they don't even, some of them don't even make you wait until the very end of the credits. They like show like some like the most important credits. So like say from the director and producers and actors, main actors. But then they'll show it then, like after about two months of credits. I know we Marvel. There's kind of like a rule where if it's a mid credits thing, that's something that is actually important to the ongoing story of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. But if it's an end credit one, that's just a bit of crack. We throw it's like like the the Howard the Duck at the the Guardians of the Galaxy. Or the very end one of the Avengers when they're all sitting in the restaurant eating swarma. 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 I do, it's, I don't know, I kind of like it because it just creates more of a buzz. You know, you're kind of sitting after and it's almost like a wee bonus. It's like the cherry on top after you've kind of had your night out and watched the film that you want to see. I do like that. But then at the same time, you think to yourself, are you not just wasting people's time? Because certainly you could just attach it on to the very end of the film. You know what I mean? I but I, it, I think it's like it's like a thing now. Aye, like pe- no, people no. people like kind of waiting about. And... I understand why they do it. I it's, it's it... mid credits. Usually in the Fast and Furious films now, because I think at the end of Fast, say it again actually because it wasn't the night. Yeah, there are <laughs> mid credits in the Fast and Furious one. I think it was. No, I think it was only five. They done is because they revealed that Lady was still alive. They go back to the rock, and uh. He's sitting there DDT and his employees. <laughs> no, I'm a joke. He's a... Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you see a picture of Letty, and then, of course, that's sort of the story for the sixth one. Then, and is that Michelle Rodriguez? Yeah. How is she still alive? Because I haven't seen the sixth one. Uh, have you seen the I others? S- I've seen Fast... I update Fast Five. Because um, she dies in four, doesn't she? Yeah. So or, how... Or, or so... You would be led to believe, and Vin Diesel has his wee CSI moment and all, where he see he sees what happens in uh, his own fucking head. Well, what happens is uh, Vin Diesel's meant. Well, spoil it. Well, spoil sex fee. Ah, uh, oh, is it important? Is he sex? Well, it, it's it's it, the basis of her whole character, like. But the fact that I know that she's alive. Yes. Does that spoil it, or is it important how she actually isn't dead? Not really. I don't know. Have you ever seen, uh, 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 what do you call it? Well, there's a few of these. There's, uh, is it The Bold and the Beautiful? And then there's Dallas. And then there's a few of these. And, uh, what was a common trope of all these? It was a dream. <laughs> it wasn't a dream. <laughs> well, Amnesia. Oh, oh Lucas Black found her in a hospital, and she didn't know... Neighbours did that as well. Who the fuck, or how the fuck, or when the fuck she was. And he's all, sweet. Mainly so did that Neighbours as well, We Harold came uh, back. Yeah. He got, after being washed off a fucking cliff or something. I don't know, was it not his wife? Second shade, the Neighbours night. Or no, it was no, no, I, the wife finds him. I, cause I, she finds, oh, what do you call his wife, Marge or something, or Maggie, Aye. something like that. She <laughs> gets her ticket punched. Soon after, didn't she? No, they were together a while after. Harold was very upset, though. Uh, he, he was <laughs> fucking ripping, I heard. <laughs> Did you genuinely follow neighbors? Yeah, for years. Did you? Uh, no, Lady, Lady has... Because uh, uh, Harold used to be, like, kind of... Well, semi-best friends with Lou. 
I but, fucking but, thought but, Lou was an absolute but, fanny killer. But, he was a <laughs> slick cunt. But Lou, Lou always made <laughs> Lou always made fun of Harold. He called him he called him Jelly Belly. But in fairness, Harold but, did Harold did look like a fucking pedo. Like not not the liberal people on their looks, but he did look like a pedo. No, he looked like he looked <laughs> like a, he, he looked like a jelly man. baby. <laughs> he was a boy. He was a sort of bald boy with glasses. When he had the big uh, he, face in him. he ran he ran the he ran calf the, the fishy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the calf. No, that's Brooksy. What do you call it, Dad? <laughs> 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 it was a place. Hey, Jimmy Corkle, he was a fucking absolute bad cunt, too. Jimmy Corkle was one bad bastard. Did Brookside just fucking blow up at the end of the No, no. The, the last scene of Brookside is Jimmy Corkle, and he uh, he walks down. <laughs> what I know is like. What the fuck are we But uh, the last ever scene of Brookside, it was one of a few soaps over the end because it wasn't getting enough fucking viewers, but Jimmy Corkle just walks down Brookside's. Side and fucking puts a wee clue sign on the at the at the front sign of it. And that's it, like very underwhelming. I like to be honest with you. He just puts a clue sign on the street. Yeah, he, just, he just puts uh, the streets closed, but shit, like that's fucking pay. <laughs> <I know. laughs> After twenty years, I build up like really that's at the end of it. Really glad I didn't watch that. That explosive more, finale. <laughs> more glad uh, I didn't watch any Alan McBeal either. I'm glad that I didn't watch any of that shit. Brookside was where was at. What happened at the end of my bill? Did she get back with fucking Radish? No idea. I used to watch it, maybe, but I, I never followed it. Like. I stopped watching it after he left. And then, uh, I think some Billy fucking died or something. Didn't and then didn't really leave, though, did he? He was <laughs> made to leave. Aye, well, aye. I mean, uh, maybe he was caught doing 90 on a motorway. <laughs> fucking a syringe hanging out of his arm, probably. He had fucking... No, he was never on this gag. He was, uh... No, that was his heroin, was his main thing. Uh, that was when he was main hooked on. It wasn't. Well, oh, did he not inject? It was, did he just no, smoke it? Was it? liquid and that kind of stuff. He smoked it, right? Okay, that's one. I fully injected. Yeah. He, uh, he what are they calling it? Smacking? No, he was on these stacks. I think. It's not the whole shit, my chap. I mean, he was a fucking party guy, like, but uh, he had a good time. But uh, no, he was caught fucking speeding on a motorway. He didn't have fucking nothing on but the radio and a big fucking bag of ease. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that was all. Uh, I'm not gonna get it, this man. There's only so much. Robert Downey Jr. charm can, <laughs> can get you out of shit. Yeah, it's only so far fucking a five grand bribe can take you like. Fucking heck. He's like, don't bag of ease. He's like, I'm confiscating him. He's like, ah, that's not really what I meant. <laughs> okay, we shall move in to... Topics. Did you know topics backward is sick pops? Say pops. Say pops. Say pops. What would it be backwards? No, no, no. It's say pops. No, skip. Say pops. It's sip Right. Right. It's skip hot. It's S. No, it's S C I. So some S. Oh shit! I was just doing topic. So you're taking the S as well. Well, it's topics. It's not topic. Ah, that's sip hot. Sipot? Sipots. Sipots? No, why? It's not. No, it's not a sipot. 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 What the fuck are we talking about? Sipot. Side That's that future. That's that future marijuana. Backpasser. Backpassage. Ah, yeah, so, Heron, I believe you have a topic or two. No, I was just going to say about films that when you were a certain age, like, say, it could be 14, it could be more likely the old adolescent. But that's uh, a maybe a film that you watched or seen on TV that kind of made you realize that you were anti-filming in a serious way. 
you know you're not just watching the specific ones or whatever you know you're like you're you have a genuine interest because I suppose you realise that this is a film and that everybody would like but you like it mm. and I think that's the sort of start of you taking film seriously and you go yeah. this is a fucking art form you know whatever so you start thinking about it on a different level as mm. opposed to just consuming it as entertainment really uh, especially I think most importantly if it's stuck we mm. you know if it's stuck we and there's, there's images from a film that's stuck we like I mean there's one particular one for me is I walked on my dad was watching TV and he was watching Once Upon a Time in the West and I just I can't remember there's a few scenes from it I just remember the train being a big part of it and stuff and the train sort of it being a wee bit comic booky you know what I mean like because the boy's called Mr. Choo Choo and all mm. your man che- Cheyenne calls him Choo Choo and all Cheyenne's people have these big Cheyenne quotes and you know and the music well, well they are he says the only people that wear these coats around these parts is Cheyenne's man you know mm. that, that's what's that's said in the yeah. film like. and uh and then even the fact that everybody has their own theme tune. I mean, I didn't know that until later. But I'm just thinking Cheyenne sounds like somebody struggling. They say my name, which I've had a lot of times. Cheyenne? That's pretty much how my landlord in Belfast is they pronounce it. Anyway, can I start calling you Cheyenne. Cheyenne. <laughs> you know, that's Cheyenne's boy. That's Cheyenne's girl. That's Cheyenne's girl. That's Cheyenne's film club. You don't know Cheyenne. You don't know Cheyenne. You don't know Cheyenne. You don't know Cheyenne. Cheyenne. He's, he's muckers with Fresno Bob. Like. <laughs> Oh, I was just start wearing my dirty duster coat. I was just start a crew or something. Fuck her, right? Putting about revolvers and stetsons just. Fuck her, right? All our jobs. Land on this Sunday news, you with a harmonica. Rest up, our clears. Next life. But. Fucking uh, no, I just it's, I think it's because all all the the elements that film are so vivid. That's probably why it stuck with me when I was, I was young. And I think it was because my dad was all I know. It's grand. It's not as good as our rest. I'm It's not as good as that. You know. And he was like, ex- ex- hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Explain it all. I think he was probably talking about the spaghetti westerns. Yeah. I don't know if my dad's not a film head so I don't think he knew that it was Sergio and did both of them yeah. but he probably sent, he sort of sensed the similarity in them mm. and he maybe thought that he probably watched it hoping that Clint Eastwood would show up that's <laughs> probably what happened do you think that your dad was watching it maybe in the mindset that he thought that once, time, once upon a time in the West was like maybe like a rip off for like the three dollars, even though it's the same director. It could, could well have been yeah. obviously because I mean it's all the, the styles exactly the same like and identical you know, and uh I think it was the first time, you know, always that film always stuck with me, you know, and then just, 
remember seeing images. I don't even know if I knew the name yet, but I remember seeing images of it then later in books and, and things I like guess here on TV and you know like all oh, the best all oh, the best shootout to the best and this phone kept mm-hmm. coming up and I said like, oh, I fucking know that you know. Actually, I'll tell you what scene it was that stuck with me was the the scene where they're hanging. Uh, wee bit of spoiler. The scene where they're hanging, uh, Harmonica's brother. Yeah. I think that was always one that stuck because it was just it's, it's such an interesting device that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. And I think that's I, I specifically remember that was one that stuck with me. I was also fucking mad. And then uh, and then it was just years later and all, and I was just I think I was dying in like. Donegal or Letter Canning, I seen a copy of it. They released it, it was like a two disc for a special edition. It was like sort of dusty box and all really cool looking. Dusty box. Aye, <laughs> but it's like it's like a really uh what would you say? You probably know better than me, Mick. Like it's it's uh there's a certain type of material, it's like a I don't know how to explain it, but it just has a texture date. It's not mm-hmm. just cardboard, there's like a proper texture date. That it feels sort of not retro by the, the bad uh, per word but uh, it's it feels, like, feels like old paper or yeah. something like that there you know what I mean it's it's that uh, kind of thing you know feels and, uh, vintage maybe aye, aye. something like that and I uh, got that there and I was like I know it's our grandfather when I was on that I'm buying it because I, I remember you saying you thought this was shit but I know it's class <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched it for the first time and I was like this is fucking astounding it's such a fucking good film like. yeah. and like and then I was reading up all the stuff about it uh, there's a shoot at the very very start um because the studio wanted Sergio Leone to make another Dollars trilogy with Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef and Eli Wallach, but he wouldn't do it. But he said, I'll make another trilogy for you, a different type of trilogy of films based in three different times of in American history. Mm. And so he had uh, First of all, Dynamite, which I think was named that, they referenced the Dollars trilogy. It should have really been called you know, Once Upon a Time in South America <laughs> or something like this here <laughs> and then that because that one's called Once Upon a Time in the West and then the third one's called Once Upon a Time in America and that's the sort of the trilogy is the third one's Prohibition that one's just because actually I'll be able to know that the West that what we know is the West was a very very short period of time it was like mm. something like it was less than 10 years like, of what it's very very short the period. Wild West eye. the Wild West eye. it's very short people think it's like 50 Wild years West. <laughs> Very, very that, short. That lasted too long. It was about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I tell you, West was first uh, because uh, originally there, there's a shootout at the very the opening scenes of shootout. Uh, it's Harmonica, guns down these three guys and uh, her assassins are coming to kill him, meet him off his train. You don't know what that's about until later. Like, But uh, Leon wanted Lee Van Cleef, Ellie Walk and Clint Eastwood to get gone down in the first scene. Like they were three assassins uh, coming right. to kill him, and he wanted them to, to go down. Like, just to say, right now, it's definitely the end of the Dollar Strategy. Like, kind of thing. And uh, Wallach and Lee Van Cleef agreed. Couldn't they? So wouldn't do it. He says he was busy, shooting hang him high, but. It's definitely for the image. Well, then, then it got me thinking as well. Clint Eastwood has never died in a film apart from. Grand Torino. Grand Torino. That's why it was Spire-ish. such a big thing. Aye. And, uh, aye. Because they think he's pulling a gun, but he pulls out the lighter. Yeah. And whatever. And then that, I think, in ways, that was the end of his cowboy, vigilante type character. I think as well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, is that, that was his last acting gig since then he's only directed? No, is he, is he acted no, no, since? He, he was in, uh, Grand Trinos 2008. I'm not sure that's Clint Eastwood's last no, acting gig. No, he was in another one with Amy Adams after it. Was he? Uh, he directed it. Because I remember people saying that that was pretty much like, 
not only the end of his sort of cowboy Wild West persona, but just the end of his acting career. It's the end of that persona. It's like the end of an era, you know what I mean, that badass. Because, I mean, essentially, Grand Tourno is just him playing the Mamma No Name, but, you know, in the modern day setting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nobody is in Trouble with the curve. Trouble with the curve. Right? That's right, the best yeah. ball one. That's right. Forgot about that? Yeah, that was 2012. That was his last yeah. one. That was his last one, then. But I... If you haven't seen most of the West, it's brilliant. Like, it's very, very good. But um, the other one was probably Batman Returns. I think it's one of those films that I've always, always just come back to. You know, I watched it when I, I, watched it when I was like eight or something. Mm-hmm. It was taped. It was after... It was taped around Christmas and it was after, Sean. On a hey, you watch that crack. You, you get done for it. Taping stuff. Piracy, man, piracy. Yeah, anyway's up. <laughs> <laughs> They'll still do you for it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the cops bust on their house and just tuck out your box of tips. We've been on for years. Completely dead or relevant. You take fucking the ATV version of Die Hard and you're like, no, you can, you can keep it. You can keep it. It's fucking shit. Hardly any person on it. Like the fucking... <laughs> The Wumbles Men's quarterfinal, 1996 or something. We're having a BBC property. Why would you even watch that again? Like, <laughs> no, it's on YouTube. I'm a ball bag. Have you been Fuck watching off. Wimbledon? It's over, man. Hey, have you been, have you been watching? Indeed, big, big tennis fan. You're doing a show. Yeah. Love the men's semis. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, look <at> <laughs> <laughs> I know about my returns. It was. Uh, I watched it when I was younger and. I remember, I remember the reason I watched it was because my cousin, he was a year older than me, he was all, uh, he's all, no, uh, maybe don't watch it, I think it's a bit too scary for you. I was all, fuck off, you ball bag. <laughs> so <laughs> taped it and fucking watched it, and I was just, oh, this is fucking genius. It's yeah. class, like, and it's like, even all the... Uh, what age we you say around this place? It's about eight or something. Eight. And I just, it's fucking, it's brilliant. And then I think I watched it again, and a few years later, I just had it, and just, ah, fuck, I'll stick this one again. And then, and then, it's just been, been since I was about maybe 15, I've just, I always thought it was fucking, and I still think it's, it's I think it's my favourite Batman, like, but, uh. Is it your favourite Tim Burton film? Potentially, I. Uh, Potential. Potential. But uh, I think it's because it's, it's gotten better every time. You, you get more of the jokes, you get more of the contexts, and the more that I've got on the film, and the more I've watched things like Citizen Kane or Caligari or uh, even Nosferatu and things like this here, you really see where all the influences came from. And then that thrown on there like a gothic superhero film. It's just, it, I think it's this. You just you start to really see Tim Burton's mind in it of, of where he got everything from. You know, that's like, what I love because in obviously Burton's Batman films, I mean everything Bert, Burton's ever done has been fucking like just like you were saying, completely influenced by German expressionism. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, Kelly Grand, that's right. It's just really cool that anytime you see a superhero film now, it's quite a dull sort of canvas it's always just like the real world and stuff like that so it's really cool to see it's this a, gothic a sort of built up city yeah. comic book you know German Expressionist influence study yeah. mixed in them we maybe a more sort of comic booky take on it but that's not a bad thing either because I think you need that city too because I mean don't get me wrong I like the superhero films that become serious and more sort of realistic but sometimes you want I think it's taken away from some of the fun too they're, you know what I mean yeah. they're, they're scared of being overly comic booky yeah. nowadays exactly yeah, because we've just got very very cynical but uh, anyway, go ahead. But it is going to happen soon. I'd say we're going to get back to that. It always flop back. Aye. It's always going to flop back. I think back. the last one well, that was I... even like that was probably something like Watchmen. Yeah. That was the only thing that was really similar to that expressionism. It's pretty like... much like the film that started this whole cynical. It, it's, it flies on the radar because everybody thinks X-Men. It's Blade. Blade started this mm. movement because that was 
It's weird because everybody forgets a Blades. You know, it's a Marvel product. You know it's what I mean? Yeah. With Joss Whedon. No, it's not. It was around the same time as Buffy and Angel and stuff, mm-hmm. and involved vampires. But no, I, I don't even know who. I think it's your man. Wasn't that your man Goyer? He always. Ah, uh, he be, he wrote all the matches. Uh, yeah. He wrote all the uh, yeah. David Escobar. David yeah. Escobar. That's the one I. Because he but, did uh, the Batman then. Batman. He seems to be just. He kind of likes obviously like sort of gothic products. He did the Blade series as well. Two's alright. Three's horrendous. The first no, but Blades, the, the TV show as well. Goyer did that. Was there a Blade series? Yeah, it only lasts like a season. Jesus. Uh, anyway, go ahead. No, I think I was pretty much done. Like, but uh, I mean, it's uh, it's nice when you go back to films that you've seen when you're younger and you're like, oh, happy days. This this was fucking actually a good film. And like, even last week I was talking about the Rocketeer. The Rocketeer was similar too. Yeah, I just loved that when I was younger. Like, mm. but um, uh, no, um, I suppose those were my two films that I think realize, made me realise that I say because a lot of people th- I think it's especially when you start finding your own taste that's what, sort of what I'm trying to say mm. like up until I was 17 my taste in music was my brother's taste in music and then when I'm about 17, 18 he went Neil Young and I went Tom Waits it's just that <laughs> you know it's that point it, where, you, where you make every that, brother's comes to that uh, crossroads <laughs> when the roads part you know what I'm saying but uh, there's no chance so I didn't make one of those or uh, you take your copy. <laughs> <laughs> take your own, you lonely bastard. Eh? <laughs> you care of your own path through this weary world. Yeah. But uh, aye, what about yourselves? Eh? Well, when you when you first brought up, I instantly thought of Clay Pigeons because yeah. it was it was the first film. Because I think I can't even mind what age it was. I'm not, like I'm not even hundred percent sure. Like if it was a Vince Vaughn fan at this stage, like. If like I had already seen Dodgeball and stuff like Aaron just knew him predominantly as like a comedy actor, but it was it was one of them ones that it it was just me late at night staying up later than what I should have been staying up and flicking three channels on the TV. There's only four or five channels. Do you not think that from obviously having the knowledge or just the sort of love that you have for film now? I personally think I think me and you've talked about it before. Do you not think that those nights where you were supposed to be in bed but you were kind of staying up late when you shouldn't have been and watching the TV in your room are integral because the amount of gems that you found or the amount of stuff that you kind of stumbled upon yeah. that you never would have got the chance to watch you know because usually you would have had to watch you know TV with your, your man dad because I mean very few you only had maybe two TVs in the house and you probably would have been sitting down with them I think it's integral to be honest with you because yeah. I mean I think that even stuff like Dead Man Shoes I mean like me and you stumbled on that in the same night when we were like 13 or 14 or whatever yeah. age you were and we, I remember like us oh no, we didn't even have phones to text each other <laughs> but I remember us talking about it the next day in school like, oh, did you fucking watch that phone last night yeah. it was on it's, it is I think it's, it's it's really important for your sort of develop not development but maybe your, your your knowledge your love yeah like that's how I discovered one of my favourite stand up comedians in Dave Gorman like his, his show Are You Dave Gorman was on like 11 or 12 o'clock at night on a Sunday night on BBC Two. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't advertised. It wasn't, they didn't do anything with it. It was just on. And I just stumbled across it. And I have a memory of me sitting in a chair in my room watching my small orange TV. That's so You should keep that <laughs> city before that. That'll be a great prop. It's so retro looking. It's ridiculous. But I was, I was, I had to stop myself from laughing out loud. And you know, when you're on your own, it's very, very rare. You'll actually laugh out loud at something. Mm, yep. But I, I had to hold my mouth to stop myself from laughing out loud because my man and dad's room is just next door and they'll know I'm up past 12 o'clock or whatever. I was like 10 or 11 or something at this age. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, you're exactly right. Like those, it's because it, it's it's kind of like you're, you're stealing wee moments for yourself. And 
whatever it's, you're watching kind of becomes part of that and you feel kind of bit of an ownership over it i think it's it's you're, you're going down the very same road that i was trying to get it i think not the overstate you know i'm i'm, I'm not trying to overstate watching film no this on your is own when you were younger. Or no no honestly I'm not, I'm not trying to overstate but it is class no but honestly yeah. no i'm no but this this it, it definitely is hugely important because see watching tv at night when you were on your own when you were younger and stuff like that first of all i mean even though it was only about say fucking 12 13 years ago there was really no internet and even if you did have internet it was fucking like a horrendous connection and you didn't get yeah. on at night because your man and dad yeah. would have had the fucking keys to the castle yeah. so your internet sounded like shame like <laughs> <laughs> but you had no internet you know you had no phone and back then it was just you all had tv tv and dvds for your entertainment or, or fuck all really especially at mm. night time so it was the, because now if you maybe are flicking at the tv you're <clears> flitting <throat> about your phone or you're on the internet or you're fucking you know chatting to someone or whatever else but i think that Back then, because it was the only distraction you had, you focused on it more. And mm. it kind of informed your parents. Like you were saying about Dave Gorman and that sort of style of humour that you really got under, and it was like you felt like it was your own wee thing. It kind of informs your personality. Because I think it's one of the few times where you kind of find out what you actually really like. Because when you're at school, when you're younger, you're surrounded by other boys and girls. And I think especially when you're at that age, you're more susceptible to just kind of agreeing with a crowd or maybe saying, oh, no, you know, I like that too, but you mightn't even like it. You know what I mean? Whereas when you're watching TV at your own at night, and you stumble upon these things that you've never really been uh, exposed to before. You think, fuck, I actually do like that. Nobody else knows about it. Mm. And this is me. And, th and then you kind of develop a, a slight bit of your personality around it. I don't know. That's just what I think, you know. Maybe I'm really overstitting. See? Bit your bar in the fucking weirs in the morning. Like, <laughs> see, see my first pair of breasts, though, as well. That's <laughs> shaped. It's a limit. It's a weapon, too. Now, under siege. Mm. <laughs> and she bursts out of the cake. She does burst out of the cake. Magnificent. I think my image is this sort of nondescript episode of Euro Trash. <laughs> but uh, yeah, back to Clay Pigeons. And <laughs> but that, uh, that was one of those films that just late at night I was kind of flicking around. And I probably was already a Vince Vaughn fan. That's probably what, kind of why I watched it or whatever. But uh, I know it's just it, it was a film that I never really heard of. And when I mentioned it to people, like no one had heard of it or knew about it. And I enjoyed it just because it was mad and just Vince Vaughn being a fucking psycho. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't I, I, like I haven't seen it pretty much since then. I don't I don't think I've ever actually seen it again. But I just always remember a scene where he's having sex with a woman and then just whaps out a knife and just stabs her right in the head or something. It's mental. But yeah, it's uh, that was one. Just I remember that like oh fuck, this is like a different film that nobody really knows about, and it was kind of like. A thing for myself. Probably because the the content was so shocking to it, it would have really stuck in your head. Yeah. It would have left like an impact. Put a wee memory in there. Mm. Mm. But as Heron was talking then about you were saying more so you realising oh you're kinda genuinely in the film and stuff, it made me think of when I first watched Twelve Angry Men. Mm. And you know, I watched that last week now. No, <laughs> <laughs> No, but that, saying you know nothing. Also, so I know. I, I got. It, I got. It. <laughs> I don't know a lot, but I got that. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but when I first watched that air, it was a bit of a weird one as well because I every week I, we would get the TV times, and I would always go to the movie section just to see what films were on during the that? week. Just was it going through the TV magazine? Or see, see which one had the most sex in, just so <laughs> I knew which one they watched. Like. You remember? So, remember <laughs> Turkey of the Week? Turkey. You remember Turkey of the Week? Was Mine, like, obviously, this even before, like, Sky Digital and stuff I got there, so you didn't have the TV guide, like, the digital guide on TV. So for you to know what was actually on TV, you used to have to read the TV magazine. Uh. But 
they used to do they used to uh, basically gather up all the films that were on that week and like segment them on the like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and give them star ratings. But every week there would be a turkey of the week, which is what they thought is the worst film of the week. And sometimes you just they watch it just to see how bad it was. Uh. Jesus, remember Christmas? You used to get well. I, I don't know, but you used uh, the, the, the two week edition. Oh, I used to get the RT guide. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, fucking it would it would it would, chur- it would chart about the next three weeks and give you there was like a, a whole article about films and all, and you may have an interview with an actor from the film that was going to be shown. Mm-hmm. But it showed all, all, all for all the terrestrial channels. It just showed the it was the Christmas RT guide. It was fucking. <laughs> but then with the old VHS, you could actually there was a code. Remember that? Aye. Uh, so like, oh, uh, aye, you could program three, it. Aye, in. Three Musketeers was on on like fucking six days. It's all I don't know. I might be, I might be, uh, you know, always engaged that night. Uh, I was about eight, like, but uh, I would type on the code now and make sure it's a taping that day. <laughs> she'd start recording she'd start Sunday recording. at 40 sure enough she'd start recording <laughs> <laughs> come Sunday half seven she'd start going <laughs> no but we we 12 Angry Men I, I read it in the, the movie guide in the TV Times and I, I was pretty young I think I was probably like 10 or 11 maybe even a wee bit younger I, I remember thinking why am I so interested in they watch this film because it was on at like 2 o'clock in the morning or something so it got me mad he tip it for me Mm. And I just I was just read the description of it, and they had ratings as well, and it was like a five star rated thing. But I mind thinking, just it's weird that because like I'm a kid and it's a black and white film set in one room. Like, why am I interested in watching this yeah. kind of? Thing? But I don't know for some reason it just stuck out to me, and I watched it and I loved it, and just that always kind of stood out to me. Just like how did that even kind of happen in my own head? Like, oh, I'm going to watch this film. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just a bit yeah. of a weird one. Day Her was a big one for me though as well. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not an especially interesting one, but it reminds me of Wayne. I was a fuck obsessed with Day Her. Day Her is definitely one of those films for every sort of film number two that it's one that you've seen countlessly when you were a Wayne. It's the same with Tem- Terminator 2, but then. Terminator 2, yeah. As, as, as you grow up. I think Day Her might be my first tits. Aye? Aye. Is there tits or Day Her? Oh, at when. The very start. Uh, oh, maybe Die Hard was mine as well. Oh, my. Unless, unless you're watching ITV, then it definitely wasn't. You've, you've, you've soiled my tits. <laughs> you've soiled my tits. <laughs> I know, it probably was ITV, so I did not see the... Not, not an up in sight. The, the titas. I think it is, it's definitely those films where the, the, the older you get them, the, the sort of knowledge about films that you get, you, you kind of realise that, oh, you know what, I love that as a woman, but I still love it, because you... Start to appreciate then on different. You start to see why how you how because it, it's how you. It's what Martin Scorsese always talks about visual literacy, mm. and McTiernan is he's the one of the most fucking visual directors. He's so fucking he's. I nearly go so far as to say he's the best action director ever. He's definitely fucking amazing, like, mm. and you know it's a McTiernan film. You just you just there's a sense. Him and Tony Scott have a real unique sense for their films. Of right, this is either Tony Scott or McTiernan. Yeah. So who who else is up there? Tony Scott, McTiernan, Tony James, Scott, James Cameron. It, he's not really action. No, he's done action, but he's not really action. Well, but a lot a lot of his early stuff was action. Right the two Terminators, but um, well, Aliens, True Lies, Aliens. Yeah, well, that's not really a good action director. He's still good, but I don't I don't think there's a necessarily a unique style. Yeah, mm. like McTiernan always leaves on the lens flare. 
Tony Scott always, especially in the 80s, Tony Scott always used a lot of smoke and, and low light. Aye, and, and bullowing, bullowing curtains as well. Do you used to get a bit of Like un- <laughs> unnecessarily dark locker rooms with smoke and <laughs> blue lights coming through them. Or, you know, it's yeah. the same in, you know, Top Gun. You're all, if, and then, you know, like, locker scene in Top Gun's the same as the bank robbery scene in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh. It's just the same. It's low light and it's just flooding in from the side and it's smoke. And it's just, that's Tony Scott. Yeah, it is Tony like, Scott's yeah. first film again, the vampire one that he always used to get abused for about the ridiculous amount of bullowing curtains. Shit. Well, there you go. Strange days, no? No, it's not strange days. I think it's like the, the song. Then we continue on. So all their the greatest action directors. I know we're going. Greatest actors. Um, John Woo. John Woo's alright uh, <laughs> do you know who I think and it, it's a weird thing to say but I think he will become one because he's on. He's really on the road dead as Christopher McQuarrie yeah. he wrote these suspects he directed and wrote right Way of the Gun uh, he directed it was The Hunger by the way if anybody's interested in that Tony Scott one The Hunger, the hunger. directed and wrote Jack Reacher directed and wrote or he, he wrote the, end of, or the, the Edge of Tomorrow yeah he wrote that and then he directed and wrote Ghost Protocol. No, no go he, 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 Rogue Nation, the MI5. No, but he, he helped write four Ghost Protocol. So I don't think he wrote the whole script, but I think he kind of he was there on I, set doing rewrites. I, I, and I stuff. think he's he's got a real. I mean, I, I think he's the new, the new blood. Like and he's doing the next one as well. Isn't he? Next next one. He's doing no. He's not doing Jeep Reacher. What he comes doing us. Uh, fucking Ed Swick. Edswick. Edswick. That's a fun name to say. <laughs> that's that's fun to that's say. Edswick. Zwick. It's a swick I get you, don't <laughs> Get you, yeah. Uh, swick, it's going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> You're right um, on. You're right on, Mike. Just, Justin Lin is a great modern one as well. Justin Lin is an art belter. And, well, I'll never forget him by Paul Greengrass, too. Like, tremendous See, action director. But Develop Gollum Rome. I but mm. C, C has like actual kind of, f- <laughs> <laughs> Damn. but C Holy has a, a, actual kind of like f- like fighting action stuff. Like I, I think it gets a bit too shaky cam sometimes. Like it, it, it can be a very disorienting. Yeah. A lot of people say it has the confusion, but then sometimes you would just like a wade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let me <laughs> just, see what just the one wide. Like, I'm, I'm begging you, Paul. Please, one uh, wide. It, it doesn't have to be all really up fucking extreme close ups. Like. No, like w- when you see something like the raid and how expertly. Those Threat fight scenes the are done. What do you call him? Gar, Gar fucking Edwards, Ed, Evans. Edwards. I think it might be Edwards. Mm. I always get confused it. with the Garth Jennings. No, the, the Godzilla director. Yeah, that's Garth Jennings, isn't it? No, that's <laughs> Garth Evans or Garth Edwards. There, it's Garth uh, Evans and Edwards. I don't know where Garth Jennings from. Garth Edwards. What I mean by best best action directors is people that have Ken Arrowhead or something. And to be honest, all the ones apart from McTiernan and uh, yeah, you're right. Scott, Garth Edwards done. Sorry, uh, Godzilla. Continue on. The one that are ahead of style, and I think are important right. as style, probably more so than Lynn and Gareth Edwards is definitely Paul Greengrass, hundred percent. Mm. Yeah, you know he are ahead of that style, and that style's been mimicked for the last ten years. No, right. that yeah, that's true. I remember what Speedberg says about he said the. Emmerich, what's his first name? Roland. Roland, Roland uh, Emmerich. He said Roland he's Emmerich. a great action director. He just he's too repetitive. He is. I mean? I, the amount of times he's blown up a White House. Uh, no. Like. no, but I I think he he has a special knack for just making it fun and ridiculous. Ah, oh, yeah. No, I, I mean like, he's known for kind of big because, moments, but he's, hmm. he's, there's no real stump. There. You only know that it's one of his films because they're just so 
over the top, but visually there's nothing that really hooks yeah. you in them. Like there's no real. That's what I'm saying about events. about the the first Independence Day. I think he showed it to Spielberg. Or he sent it to Spielberg or something. He said, "What do you think? Do you like this here?" Blah, blah, blah. And Spielberg says, uh, "He says I think it's class." And he says, "People are going to mimic us for the next fifteen years." Mm. You know, and, and they I, did, <laughs> and they did, and that's that's sort of why I got the the green grass thing. It's it's something that you strike a chord with that people mm. go right, and it's no mistake that Tony Scott pretty much changed his style every ten years or fifteen years because in the the two thousands it was that that thing of fast film, slow film. You know, he did you notice it most on Man on Fire, but it's yeah. in Domino as well, and it's in a lot of these things where. Um, because it was all like a lot of films were about memory, like mm. Deja Vu and Domino, and they are specifically about memory. Yeah. And so, instead of having a camera running at twenty five frames a second, what he did was he removed the like the actual mechanical motor from it, and he had a camera crank it. It was still capturing capturing digitally, but the actual crank was manual, mm. so he could slow it down mm. and he could speed it up and this kind of thing. And it was a manual crank, and that's how they get that effect. Huh? What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was talking about Twelve Angry Men, and then oh, it was films that made you realize they are. That's what we. Yeah, oh, yeah. They are, yeah they it was films that made you realize that you like films. Yeah. What are yours? Mine, uh, boy, boy. <laughs> Mine's one that, that, uh, that would was take pleasure in good, you boy. boy Michael <laughs> Mann, Michael <laughs> Baby, forgot about him. Ah, he's yeah. he's a great action director. Michael I'll Mann is a great pleasure. action director. He doesn't have a lot of action in his films, but when it's in there, yeah, it's a very yeah. specific type of action. It's very fluid. It's fu- no, well, not even. I mean, just Miami Vice too. Like, I suppose well, there's that, but even I know. But the way the way his scenes move, yeah, like there's a scene where they're just taking like a, a, a fucking warehouse, the docks or something. It's yeah. him and Jimmy Fox bit number two guns, and it's at night, and it's just the way it moves is so specific to him. It's great. Yeah. I'll take pleasure in good new boy. boy. That took pleasure in good new boy. <laughs> uh, mine's one of just complete necessity. Uh, it was it's as, as as good as it gets. Oh. Aye, James L. Brooks, nineteen eighty seven. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't it's a, it's a, it's a good film. You know, it's nowhere near one of my favorites. You know, I wouldn't even say it's in the fucking top five hundred of the films I've ever seen. The reason. Wait, which one? Is, I always get that confused with about Schmidt. As, no, as good as it Here, gets. Wh- is, what is what is the line of that film? What from as good as it gets? Ah, the this it's the line. Isn't that where she fucking comes? She's fucking clattered in rain. Why you call her Helen Hunt? Ah, no, but there's one line that that uh, summarizes that film. And it summarizes Is the it love a, story in that film. As good as tell it us. Gets. <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> no, I always think it's 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 the line in that film, where uh, she was all right. You've just pissed me off. You have to give me a compliment, and he was just all. Uh, and they went about uh, how he never used to take his medic- medication yeah. and he started taking it and all and she was just like that's not a compliment whatever he's all and he's just all you make me want to be a better man <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's the line, line of that film like, you know, it's just line. like fucking right on uh, so is that the film he has something wrong with if, if nobody knows about it as good as it gets he's like got ridiculous obsessive compulsive disorder like he can't yeah. stand in cracks in the ground and he has to eat his dinner in a certain way and you know it, his cutlery has to be like ridiculously clean I actually think in the, one of the first things he brings his own cutlery to the restaurant and stuff yep. like that no but uh, no what, he, he does the whole way through yeah. yeah what's about Schmidt about, uh, about Schmidt's husband his, his wife, wife died, uh, Alexander Payne uh, 
Oh, okay. The story's going on. Did they come out around the same time? Because no, I always uh, get them confused. As good as, as, good as it gets. Apart, really? Is <laughs> <it>? <laughs> Jeez. As, as good as it gets, it's like 2000. Or sorry, as good as it gets 1987, I think about as much like 2008 or something. Really? Yeah. And the, why the, do I always. There's, there's a good old gap. Phone, it's just because it's Jack But the reason that uh, it kind of stuck in my head and. I don't know, it, I was sort of forced to look at it on another level because I used to uh, spend a lot of time with my grannies when I was younger and I kind of run out of stuff they watch. I was kind of, I was too old for like Nickelodeon and stuff I got there but then You're there was fuck all on. But there was one tip in my granny's house bar like all my granddad's John Wayne stuff and I've watched them so many times with him. I don't know why they had it but it was there but it was as good as it gets. I think it was tipped off fucking Sky Movies when Sky Movies first came out. And so I just used to watch it all the time. And it was the first time that, through necessity, really, just to kind of keep me entertained, that I had a focus on, like, the sort of mechanisms of a film. But at the same time, not to take away from a film, it's the first time that I'd ever really watched a film where I kind of focused on people's struggles because, obviously, Jack Nicholson has this obsessive-compulsive disorder and they play it for laughs at the start, but then, as the film goes on, you see how frustrated he is by it and how it has actually fucked up his life because he can't really connect with people. That's why he's such a cynical mouth but then also I think as like an 8 or 9 year old actually yeah probably about 9 uh, Grey Kinnear's character I think it's the first time that I've ever seen a, a gay character on screen because mm. obviously nothing else that I would have been watching in like you know like fucking Keenan and Killer Sister Sister Keenan and Killer they, they, they were gay of, <laughs> they wouldn't have had those sort of when characters he broke up, when he broke up with Brianna <laughs> <laughs> or when he put the screw in the tuna <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I it was it was the first time that I seen that sort of section of the society too. And I don't know, it just kind of opened my eyes a bit. And it's it's a good mm. film. It's a nice film. And I I suppose it just kind of made me realize, oh geez, there's a lot of different steps the film. I mean, because I started thinking then when I seen these characters that you know not everything is just you know two boys fucking about and trying to get screws out of tons of china. You know, <laughs> you know, there's 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 deeper stuff yeah. out there and there's a bigger world that I'm just yeah, not you know aware what? of yet. There's deeper you know what, yeah, there's, it's, it's, there's not deeper. it's not all strawberries and roses, man. <laughs> there's deeper tons of china out there. But that's what I'm saying, yeah. like I it's just like it's, BG's, you know how deep is your love? Mm. You know it's like that. You know, there's deeper tons of china It just you know. sort of opened my eyes. Deeper ten <laughs> you know, kind of thing. No, that was pretty much it. It's just that uh, it just kind of gave me a fucking insight on the, I suppose, like a really a bigger world that I wasn't really aware of as a nine-year-old boy down the brandy well. I think it's perfect too because boy. James L. Brooks has this... this Some very humanist about them. I actually find his and Ron Howard's uh, direction... Roward Howard. I thought you were saying Rutger Howard there. Rutger it's like direction of... of uh, it doesn't matter. But uh, Ron Howard and his direction at times can be that sort of, you know, even though they might be talking about complicated issues and all, like they can simplify it. Ah, uh, because there's a yeah. film with Michael Keaton called it's either, I think it's just called The Paper. Yeah, it does. It's fucking excellent. It's class. But do you know what I mean? There's a yeah. similar James L. Brooks kind of feeling about it where they don't kind of bore you with all the yeah. thing. They just make you go right. This is what the character wants. This they, is what's standing on his road. Let's just not bore you with all the the finite of it let's just tell you roughly what it means and uh, I think they have a good way like James L. Brooks they have a good way of pinpointing the issue that they're trying to get at exactly and kind of unwrapping all the stuff that goes around that uh, and maybe not not I simplifying it but not simplifying it in such a way that it sort of uh, 
being condescending or patronizing, you know what I mean? Was it Einstein said that uh, if you can't describe what you're talking about in two seconds, you don't know enough about it? No, I think it's if you. What is it? Uh, something like say, that. Uh, it's something like that, but it's if you say. Oh, what's the word again? I forget. Um, that's if you say if you a can't certain word. If you can't it or something, or something. If you can't, if you can't say it in a sentence. You can't, if you can't say it in a yeah. sentence, then you don't know, you don't know enough yeah. about what we're talking about. So, something like that, but I think that. that and especially for audiences, and you know, they're obviously their their sell is popular audiences, but they're trying to show you kind of a slightly odder film, and they us, they obviously throw a star in there and that kind of thing. But, um, I think there's definitely a similarity with with uh them too, hundred percent. And I think, I mean, I remember watching it probably in the same time you're watching it too, and just I enjoyed it because it was different. It was just different, and it was exactly. fun, and it wasn't. It's not too heavy. Yeah. Even though there's like, there's a lot of heavy things that happen in it. And even the danger of when he gets beaten up, it's just like that. Scared that, that actually scared me when I was like when I was nine years of age because uh, I don't like obviously as as a nine year old I didn't really understand what a gay man was, but I understood that these other boys didn't like him because he was gay. But for me, it just that's seemed not like why a, they beat him up. Though. I know it is. I, I know they beat him up because he's they gay. They beat him up because he's rich. They just oh, but I I thought it's not because he's gay. They, they, they not, they not no, they rob a guy. They only rob a guy. It's nothing to do with being gay. Oh right, okay. Kind of shows where your head was at, anyway. <laughs> Well, at nine years old, maybe that's that's what you saw. Oh, yeah, guys, best, you know. <laughs> Honestly, I probably thought the same thing when I watched it. Aye. That's why, but uh, because obviously, there's a strong thing coming from Jack Nicholson's point of view. Yeah. You wouldn't be at that age, like, Oh no, obviously, I, I, no, because I, I was it recently. I know. Yeah, I was in my head, I was kind of yeah. wondering. I, Seems a bit like only because the model seemed to be gay as well, or pretend to be gay or something, or you know. But yeah. it wasn't. I don't know. It was just. Fun. And then I watched it again recently. I was just thought, all right, no, he's just. He's just conning him to get into this yeah. thing or whatever. He thinks. Uh, but is not is that not how they draw him? In? Uh, they not draw him in by one of the other. What the actually? I'm going to check this out because I haven't seen it. I know what long. you mean. The boy from Scream. Uh, ah, he's, seems Sco- to he's, he's got like a, he's got a really strange name. Scooter Skeeter Skeet Ulrich. Am I? Skeet Ulrich's his name. Leland Skeet. Leland Skeet. Okay, well we'll go. Stop. Rewind. <laughs> okay, we'll go into recommendations. Yeah. My recommendation <laughs> is <laughs> Saw. Oh. Have you ever seen Saw? Yes. <laughs> I never I saw it. I I I haven't since I, I was a it. child. Um. No. Yeah. Saw. I think. It's just one of them ones because of what the Saw franchise became, and it was just Garno as Shan likes to term. Oh yeah, and it 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 just got ridiculous, and it's just like what's the weirdest way you can kill people and stuff like that. But mm. the first destination have, are fairly responsible for some of that too. Yeah. Mm. Although, enough, the, the first Final Destination, I also liked. I think oh, that's a good go. film. Yeah, the much, second much one I like the first was one. not scary, but fuck, that's an interesting way to fucking impale somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I feel like the round between them two films is when all that bollocks started. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, in the goth era. And then oh, the bringing back came the out and like, oh, Bringing back the goth. I love blood. We're back. <laughs> but, I uh, hate the sun. What about blood? For fuck's <laughs> sake. <laughs> But yeah, the the first saw I think it's a genuinely, I don't even think it's really proper heart. It's it's more just kind of creepy in in places, yeah. like because obviously I've said before that like, I'm not actual atmosphere, I'm not guy. big in the horror films, but I'm never really scared. But like the creepiest bit is when you see the guy being abducted by the person with like a wolf head on them. Huh. They're like creeping out of the back of the car mm. in a parking lot, but that's just like creepy and it's a bit unsettling. But there is a kind of whole mystery element to it, and just 
the idea of these two guys just trapped in this room why are they there and you just find out more and more about it and you have Danny Glover just bitten about as well like I love as well. It was a fun. It's Murtaugh, was... not I. Ah, yes. Hi. Oh, yes, he's the cop. He's trying to find them. Does he it? say he's yeah. for I really hope he doesn't because he's because he, he is just, very old and just, just, just quickly. There's a lot of shit going uh, on. There was, this, there was this article on No Film School recently, and it was talking about. Uh, of oh, the anatomy of an action scene and less is more and lo-fi action and all this kind of stuff. I and know that guy. It was a film with Dominic Purcell, who was the bigger brother in Prison Break. Yeah, and, Link, uh, he was Link in the Sink. Lincoln Burroughs. Lincoln Burroughs. And uh, <laughs> he was in the uh, Killer Elite. Yeah. He's very good in that with Jason Statham and Clive Warren and uh, Robert <laughs> De Niro. And, uh, he was in Assault on Wall Street as well or something. Uh, that always looked terrible. I don't know. Something Wall Street. Something like that. It's he- the covers him just standing like we had gone in a suit. Oh, I know it looked like shit. Uh, yeah. But this year one, I was just all oh the anatomy of gone scene. Not I was just reading the whole article. And the article seemed kind of interesting and all. That's nice. That's cool. Watch the trailer. Old fucking Murta shows up and says, "Oh, I'm too old for this shit." And I was all never watching this film as long as I live. <laughs> Let it go. What the like, fuck? Like. Let it go. In Killer Elite. No, in it's a new film with Dominic Purcell and Danny Glover, and some other cunts. I don't know. They're probably famous. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of a lot of bullshit. No, Dominic Purcell's a goodie. He has to save somebody, and then they're after him for some reason. And Glover's like a fucking. Is he a baddie? He's like a flat foot cop or something like that, there sort of thing. And then there's a buddy and I'm told for the shit kind of deal. And then I, know it. I was annoyed because the article seemed really cool and the director really seemed to know what it was on about. But, mm. you know, the fact that's in the trailer, I was like, nah. Nah, let it be. Nah. And take her out for putting it on there. I'm not watching it. Might be an amazing film. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> no, that Dan Glover was a good baddie in Shooter. That thought he was good in there. Also he was. a good baddie, but I bet it's a dreadful film, though. No, I, I like Shooter. I, I think it's a wee yeah. underrated action he's film. Right, no, he's a both wrong. We, we... Anton Foucault? Anton Foucault? Anton Foucault? Is that Anton Foucault? That is Anton Foucault. That is Anton Foucault! He was like fucking Eddie Murphy in a Beverly Hills cop. Get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! I can't believe that. It looks like it was shot by Len Wiseman. As in, it was shit. Len Wiseman. That is one director... He's a wise lamb, man. <laughs> oh, man. Total Recall and Die Hard 4. Suck. <laughs> He's doing the new one as well, isn't he? Yes. Die Hard Year 1. Sh- fuck off. It, it's, I, the, well, it's, the, it's Die Hard 4 director. Is that Len Wiseman? Yes. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> see, if I find, see if I find Bruce. I'm going to bet that fuck with him. Anyway, <laughs> back to recommendations. <laughs> the first Saw film. <laughs> I know, it's... It's it's not that scary. It's just more of a mystery kind of thriller film, and it's also I think it's I don't know if it's his very first film, but it's James one Wan? it's one of his first films. James Wan, who's become a Fast, lot, Fast Seven. Uh, he he directed Fast Furious Seven, but he's done the Conjuring, Conjuring Two. Yeah. Was it Sinister he did? Or no, is, that was actually the boy who directed uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Scott Dickerson, who is about to do uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Uh, so Ooh. Insidious. Ooh. Nice callback. <laughs> <laughs> is it Insidious? Because I always mix the two. Uh, yes, it is Insidious. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, so it was Scott Dickerson did Exorcism of Emily Rose. Mm, mm, interesting. 
And then he done Sinister. He's not even like four. He's done normal. He done that one, Delver uh, from Evil, which apparently shit. But then he got. I think he got the gig, of Doctor Strange from like the other two. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. said yeah at the same time. That was nice when they were synchronized. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're a big James Bond fan, you've probably already seen Saw. So why you listen? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's it's one of his first films, and it just shows the great raw skill that he had and how that has been. Mm developed into probably more well Saw, Saw was pretty successful so Saw was actually Saw? Is that what was? yeah right. so there was a book I read called did you ever read it? The Gorilla's Gorilla Filmmaker's Guide no bright green book brilliant and there's a, like about 8 or 10 case studies at the back about uh, filmmaking fucking amazing stuff in it. and uh, Saw was one of them because they had a, a certain budget they were going to make it on say I, th- I think it was something like $20,000 or something but instead of doing that, uh, they made their most complicated scene and they put all that money into this scene and they brought this sort of very intricate scene to the studio and the studio gave them, like, I think, 200 grand to make the whole film. Yeah. Yeah. I've always heard nice. that James Wan has said that the whole narrative I saw about them being in their room the whole time was almost done a necessity. So mm. because their budget was that low, they tried to keep it in one room and tried to keep costs down because obviously they had to pay actors and overheads and shit like that. So well, sure. that's kind of cool that they challenge themselves to do something that's sort of the, engaging. The younger guy, the younger actor in the room as well, he's one of the writers of yeah. it. It was him and James Wan, I think, wrote it. Yeah. It's a good film. I do. It's just a pity that the series, which usually happens with horror, sort of uh, well, horror franchises, they, they just they go just on basic shock, taxi, t- uh, shock tactics and shit then. But the first one was really they, good. They always fly down a shock taxi. <laughs> <laughs> shock taxi! <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, if you look at like Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street, like it, it always, it always, like you're talking about Johnny Kerbs franchise here. We're no, not, we're, we're not dragging Kerbs on this. No, but you've you've said this before that the it's second like, one's alright, the third one's interesting. Oh, fu- <laughs> season of the Witch. Everybody's sitting defense Season I of the Witch. I talked about Season of the Witch this podcast. Wasn't it? Wasn't it you, you were saying you wanted he wanted that to be the second one. Uh, uh, you want, uh, he wanted it to spawn uh, this whole thing pretty much I, like, like a, an Kerb- anthology yeah, series Kerbner wanted the Halloween series to be completely different stories and not have uh, Michael Myers on there as like the main sort of antagonist but uh, because the first Halloween was super 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 successful uh, because the first Halloween was super successful they immediately wanted to do a second one with Michael Myers that Kerbner kind of begrudgingly agreed to but then it's I don't know the second Halloween's near enough a carbon copy of the first one when it's set in the fucking hospital but it's still good. It's entertaining. It's the Evil Dead syndrome. Just make a yeah. safe home again. But this <laughs> one wasn't funny or as good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. All right. So your recommendation was Halloween. Karen. Uh, <laughs> actually, fuck up my recommendation. That's Halloween. No, 3. No, 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 no. You know what? Actually, fuck it. It is Halloween three. Give it a go. It's interesting. All right. So what's your actual recommendation? Uh, the actual recommendation <laughs> is. Uh, Breach, 2007, directed by Billy Ray, not Billy Ray Sarah. Chris Breach. Cooper. Chris Cooper and mm. Ryan Philippe. Good. Fucking cracking. Cracking. It's too. on Netflix, man. I think it might be. I think I'm, I can't remember uh, if I've seen it or not. But I keep meaning to watch it. It's just, it's it's about a CA agent. Uh, it's You know what? It's based on a true story. Uh, the, the actual CA agent's life who it's based on is fucking really, really interesting. But essentially, he was, uh, he was uh, what do you call it? What, what would you call it again? Double... 
double agent. Double it was double agent. It was double agent. I, I completely <laughs> forgot. I completely you forgot get the, the word agent. Completely <laughs> forgot the term double agent. Uh, one of the highest uh, ranking members of the CIA. Uh, I think it was just before September 11th that it was actually busted, but it was revealed that he had been selling ridiculous amounts of. Uh, like American secrets, like really, really top level secrets to the USSR for fucking years. And he wasn't caught until like 22 years on this sort of stuff. And it was Ryan Philippe's character who was uh, basically just this upstart and was given the Chris Cooper's character as like a sort of secretary who uh, uncovered him. And it's just a really, really, really engaging thriller. Chris Cooper's always amazing. Ryan Philippe's sweet. I've, I've actually, I, was, I was going to ask, how is he in it? I've never, I've, I've never understood why Ryan Philippe wasn't a bigger actor. Because, I mean... As as lead Mango, he's got the looks, and that's what you know Hollywood obviously relies on a lot. And his, I think it's his voice. Ah, uh, he does have a sort of, uh, what, I don't know, it's a nasally sort of voice. It's a nasally voice, and and he could. I just don't think he could ever pull off a hard man. No, uh, I know what you mean. That's probably. Not but is it, is it not the whole thing from Cruel Intentions as well? Like he's the guy from Cruel Intentions. Mm. You know what I mean? No, but I, no, I, he's I, he's in way they're going like. Mm. He's he's in. He was in stacks of films before that, like. I know, I know, but like she was very good in Crash. Too. I know, but I'm saying like, like if you if you mention Ryan Philippe to somebody, they're going to say, "Oh, the guy from Cruel Intentions." Like that, that's his, that, that was his that, big role. I wouldn't even seen Cruel. Well, obviously Cruel Intentions, but I always seen it as well that it was kind of unfortunate to be like like Reese Warspoon. You know, what I mean, he was going out with her. And Reese Warspoon star kind of clubs his. Oh, were they mean? actually going out? They were married for years. They got like three wins. Are they you know still married? No, no, they divorced a few years back. But oh. I always seen like he was seen as sort of under her because she kind of blew up after like election and shit like that did, did they meet in Cruel Intentions I haven't got a clue where they met they just met at like some party or some shit like that but okay, uh, she's in Cruel Intentions though is she? She's the chick he's trying to bang so she is maybe they're not meeting Cruel Intentions yeah, he gets taken out by a fucking wagon they save her <laughs> <laughs> but even like at Gone. Just going back and they breach. It's a really, really engaging thriller. And then because you know it's based on a true story, I mean, obviously you always take out with a pinch of salt when it comes to like Hollywood productions. But it just makes it even more interesting. And apparently, from reading the actual story about it, uh, they didn't actually change a lot about the actual script. They obviously they done stuff. They make it sort of flow better, but uh, very, very interesting. And just Cooper plays the sleaziest, most patronizing bastard. Basically, he just plays a Chris Cooper character. He, he's so good at being a bad fucker but he does it this time we we actually not giving a lot away and being very repressed it's, mm. it's class because in the film as well he's like part of this devout Catholic sect and he's all about religion and he's all like sort of against uh, what do you say like he calls it fornication and he's against like drugs and you know basically just can't express he yourself calls it he calls it fornication <laughs> what do you call it <laughs> but, I, call, uh, I call it love <laughs> But no, it's, it's, a, it's a great film. Really, really good film. And it's, it's just got a nice flow to it. I mean, you would see in a lot of thrillers that sometimes it just gets a bit boring and it's kind of established the characters and, you know, where the issue is and the text of where kind of get into the, the finale. But this just motors along nicely. There's no really kind of mm. dead with it. No fat on it, as we Ain't said no before. Fat. Ain't no fat in that movie. Film only has 6% body fat. <laughs> okay, anyway, recommendation, Heron. Uh... Watched Cop Care last week. Throw a half at that screen, though. No. <laughs> I, no, I could have went uh, politically suspect with that one, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I could see you thinking it over in your <laughs> it head. Was wearing, it was wearing up. We'll just leave it. We'll just leave it. 
it's not worth another it. time. <laughs> I, I seen I seen a wee twinge in the lap. Aye. It was like it was it was about to be released. Well, I save as, it, as, save as, it for the streets. <laughs> is it worth getting lifted again? For <laughs> is it worth getting scooped again? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I need to say, aye. the public in the streets, demon in the sheets, as they say. <laughs> That's how I am. It's my ammo. Uh, but, uh, cop car. I don't watch Cop Car. Uh, it's directed by the new guy, the new director of the new Spider Man. Spider Man Homecoming, which Wait, is a terrible is that his name? title. Uh, that's, that's the title. That's the director's to. name, too. Jesus, that's, that's a serious concept. What do you actually call the director's name again? Uh, John Watts. John Watts. John Watts. Tom, Tom Watts. Tom Watts. No, John, John, I don't know. No, it's Tom Waits and John Watts. That was it. Aye, John. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, dead simple story about two kids who are about eight to ten years old, and uh, they're just fucking arsing around, and they they decide they run away from home, and uh, they go out the woods and they find this cop car just lying empty, and so they go fucking hell and hop on it and all and start arsing around the fields bit and all, and then. Just obviously as it escalates and all, they get to the roads and they get the back and forth. It's just pretty much just playing with this fucking thing and playing with the fucking guns in it and all and this sort of stuff. But uh, what they don't realize is uh, that it's not just a cop car by a regular cop. Uh, the cop car is owned by a corrupt cop and the former Kevin Bacon. Bacon be fucked up. And what kind of transpires is obviously Kevin Bacon trying to track this down because you you, you don't see just their story you see his story too and this yeah. kind of stuff and then you see uh, wait not, not to give too much away but why or how is he corrupt just like kind of is he on the tech from like the mafia see, the, or be, the best thing about this well it, it's a it's the, the film kind of falls between two things because in a way you don't find out what exactly happened with him mm. all you know is that he is he is Two bodies in the trunk of his car. Oh One's dead, one's alive. Oh fuck! fuck. That actually does sound really interesting. And you don't know why, because w- when it comes to revealing any form of truth or whatever, they never give you any details mm. of the past. See, I love that. You can't put it in them, I guess be- 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 Because he's love just it. sitting there going, "He says I'm the only person you can trust." Not there, and he says, "I know this looks bad, but but these are bad people. This is whatever, and so on." One of the guys that's in the boot, for whatever reason, ends up getting out. It's your fucking man who plays the preacher and true detective. He plays... Shea Wiggum. He's a witness and... He's in like Boardwalk, a lawyer. Boardwalk Empire. He's in Boardwalk. Uh, he's, he's in... Uh, fucking ama- he's in Shea Wiggum. He's uh, on Shea all Wiggum. the wheel gears and all that there and all. Yeah. And he's, if, he's one of my favourite fucking Brandon actors. Lightbear. I could watch him in fucking anything. He's uh, Eli from Boardwalk. He's a fucking outstanding actor. He's, and he, he, he just kind of fits in the ending. He's also... He plays the... Oh yeah, the guy from uh, fucking Herzog's Bad Lieutenant. He's, mm, he's awesome. Mm. Oh yeah, he's so good. He's Damn. great. Shea Wiggum's a great actor. He's in Fast and Furious as well. Has he? Oh fuck, there you go. In parts, hasn't he? Ah, he has. I plays an FBI agent, but uh, nice um, he's in it. He's he's what he's the uh, the, the live guy in the trunk, and uh, it's such a monomalist to be following, mm. but it um. Uh, it's one of these things where as I'm saying it falls between two things is because even up until the end you don't know what exactly has happened between these two guys mm. obviously one's a cop and one's a criminal of sorts but he might be good he might be a good criminal a decent criminal a victimless crime kind of criminal or Kevin Bacon 
maybe someone that you know was taking justice a bit too far and thought the only way to get fucking this sorted is to kill these guys yeah and you don't really know and you never really know but I think it's a weird structure because the fact that for, for that they hold up usually usually what would happen is you just stay with the kids but what happens is you actually follow Kevin Bacon's character trying to find this cop care. And you're sort of, you, you, you're with him a bit. So you're like, this is ambigu- ambiguous. I was thinking too, do, do they try and make Kevin Bacon like sympathetic in a way or is it? Not really. Not really, no. Every time he talks to them, it's a performance. Mm. But at the same time, you're going, is it a performance because it's kids? Or is it a performance because he's a cunt? Mm. And you don't, you don't really know. And it's so, it, it's in that respect, it's it feels really minimalist, but like the style's great. It's really enjoyable. The two kids are fucking brilliant, and you know it. It never there's a part where they they manage to get a gun, and he's like fucking he's like, shoot him, shoot him, whatever and all, and you know, and he's and he just can't and this kind of stuff and all, and he's a gun and but <laughs> there's like a. A woman who passes the two kids driving this cab car with the lights on, <laughs> and she becomes a part of it later. It's sort of funny. You don't so that that part of the story you don't know whether to take seriously or not. because nah. yeah. she seems like a but yeah. I know I saw you kids. You're in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, Please, I, you know, like I, the children. I'd tap. Yeah. I'd be happy enough if she took one ahead. Like. <laughs> so uh, in in the film, can you see anything that maybe like why he? He's good for the next Spider-Man film, like you said. Like the kids are great in the film. Like, do you think you would be able to have a good shine on like a teenager Spider-Man or anything? I just think he's a man that uh, seems to be able to direct all types of performance. I mean, the kids had it probably you know they're the, the they have the most growth in it. Whereas Kevin Bacon is painted in a certain way, but you understand him the whole way through it. Yeah. And you understand what he calls character because uh, he doesn't really get a name. Yeah, showing his character and uh, and he, <laughs> some it's played for laughs. The, the two adults are kind of idiots. Kim Bacon, Shagum's character are kind of idiots. Like they're not complete idiots, but they're they're like they definitely have daft moments. Mm. Yeah, you know where Kim Bacon just he comes back to the place with the cop cars, and then it's not there. And then he just runs away. <laughs> he just <laughs> runs away for a minute. And it's like really comical. And then he stops and he goes, actually, no, that's kind of stupid. Huh? And then he comes back and he just walks back into camera. <laughs> and then it's sort of funny, but it's like it's comic book sort of timing or something. And then the same thing with your man. He, he sort of played up wee, but it's sort of stupid. But I think the whole point they do is, is, is that, uh, you know that adults can be as stupid as kids I think that's mm. the reason why it's done and played in that sort of way your woman is I suppose the real world coming into the this, bizarre this world of these yeah. four characters and she's just not a part of it so she gets taken out right and quick and, uh, <laughs> but the ending's very strange the, the ending is what made me kind of realise what the film's about it's about you know what I have to fucking take my oil on this here and I have to admit and have to take my oil and I would I would really recommend it. I think I think it's a really tight film and it doesn't uh Aye. You know, it doesn't uh fuck about too much, it doesn't play on cliches too much and it uh it, it keeps you keeps you in there. Keeps you in there. It's like it's about an hour and a half, it's not very long. Ninety million, that's what we like. Aye. Oh yeah. Love we like the nineties. Craig's nineties, I say. 
90s was prime growing up years. Mm, certainly. You can seek up car on uh, Sky Movies or uh, <laughs> if you're a late subscriber, Sky Cinema. Oh. <laughs> or you can illegally download it. <laughs> or you can illegally download it from uh, pointproxy.tf. Uh, <laughs> or kickasstones.com. Fuck that guy, he has Spider-Man money now. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bacon, he's always good for a few sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> he's always good for a bit of a laugh. He's Kids, he's good for the ads. Did you see the Kevin Bacon, <laughs> Jimmy Oliver? No, I haven't seen that one yet, though. Oh, uh, where oh, where Jamie Oliver makes a bacon sandwich? Makes a bacon sandwich. I know. And I, 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 half I, the screen starts buffering, and then bacon makes this big mad sandwich. And uh, yeah. They're trying to flog yeah, like it a, a bit. Like, they're they're so. flogging it a bit. Like. I was kind of going... At the start, I thought it was pretty funny. That was like ages like, ago. Yeah, uh, but I was all, oh, Jesus Christ, Kevin, you're really selling the fucking soap at the minute, Mox. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but that's why he can do films like Cop Car. Giving it soft. Yeah, he'd be doing Cop Car if he's not getting that, that sweet EE money. I guarantee as well because he is lovely the whole fist and not only is he the, not only I think is, you don't fuck up because I don't slap you enough not only is he <laughs> not only is he the fist at EE <laughs> my my uh, that was the most <laughs> terrifying thing Aaron's about the fuck I'm going to take him out no more I know but it was just Mickey would take us gay no but it was just the actual intent of the, of the phrase of I think you no but I was using your intent <laughs> I was channeling you but mocking about the words doing yeah. a wee scrabble in the words like do my favour <laughs> Chan, Chan is currently just handing me butter leg, just now you know what I mean like. as to what you're saying about bacon balls oh no it's, it really doesn't matter honestly it's, it was a load of shit the Hank the Hank, the Hank, when Kevin Bacon whaps out his, his, bacon? De- his dick and balls, he calls it bacon bits. Oh my word! <laughs> I get your bacon knacker for that. I'd say, I'd say when he's having a, you know, a we, uh, what do we say, a we, a we midnight excursion in uh, five knocks you off in London. You know, he's bitting around in the burrows and shit. I'd say, I'd say he definitely throws that out because in America they brought bacon. Bacon bits. bits? What is that guy? Is that like five pieces of your dick? What the fuck? Oh, actually, you actually know what there is? No, no. It's bacon bits pe- is definitely perfect. Thing. I actually thought that Kevin Bacon was Canadian. No, well, they, they, have, they have the wee bacon. things, bacon bits, where it's like fake the, bacon. In the States? In the States, yeah. Do they? Yeah, yeah well, well, it was in an episode of Frasier. So. Yeah, oh, it's a transatlantic Canadian. Yeah. Oh, he probably does. <laughs> probably does. That's how he loves his life. Like, D. Hank, when he's having gay sex and he wraps his cock around another cock, he says he's picking a blanket. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good, eh? Yeah, that, that he does it. That he does it. He's been cooking these for a long time. <laughs> it's almost I, like that, that's the only just thing he's been cooking. Just hoping that Kevin would come up on really? the podcast. I, I got a lot of bacon based jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the only thing you've been thinking about when you watch those EE ads. It's like, how can I make this in the joke? The, but, the the weirdest uh, one of those ads is when he's, dre- he's he's dressed up as a woman just as a member of the audience, mm. and he doesn't say anything. He just reacts to what's happening ones? on stage. Mm. Maybe I don't watch enough normal TV. I, I, I heard uh, for a while before he got the E. Uh, he was just he was just wiping soap all over his face and cleaning windows, and he was going back on, back off. Oh my word! Oh <laughs> <laughs> my word! That's that's just it all, really. Uh, <laughs> Okay, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Send us your favorite Kevin Bacon fil- uh, films. No, jokes, that's what I meant to say. 
Any Kevin Bacon based jokes, we'll love to hear them. You can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies, or you can email mm. us Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, ACAS, whatever podcast service you like. I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Shan Coyle's been Shan Coyle. Yeah. Calm Heron's been Calm Heron. Episode 61, mama. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Let it roll, let it roll. Extended cut. So, have any of you ever heated up a banana, put it inside a bog roll? Is this a thing? <laughs> ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.